Blog Talk Radio. Golovkin wins another round. That's a draw. 
that that's crazy to me. I, I did not see it. Uh, either way, I, you know, I do see a very small, and I'm talking very small, and maybe the scorecards allow this, but a small, small, minuscule, minuscule? I don't think that's the thing. But anyway, um, it's just a very small percentage of fans. They got to be Golovkin fans that said he won the fight. Seven rounds. You'd have to give him seven rounds to win that. There's no way Gennady Golovkin won seven rounds in that fight. They're just, just stop. Please, please stop. It, it just didn't happen. But either way, it didn't happen in real life. And we did get the, no matter what the scorecard was, scorecards were, um, you know, we did get, you know, the rightful winner, Canelo. Um, and he did say after the fight that his wrist has been giving him issues on and off. He claims to say now he needs some time off in surgery that he's going to have presumably wrist surgery. We'll find out if we ever get any real details when it comes to that. Maybe we'll just get a picture of him coming, you know, out of surgery or whatever, but he does. He said for sure, may, maybe September. And it's so early to say September or I guess even may, because you got to see how the rehab goes and yada, yada, yada. Uh, But he, he does say he needs to rest his body. You know, when he, uh, had those spikes from like December 2020 all the way through last fall. He had four fights. A lot of us want to see, you know, fighters busier, but when you've been on a schedule like that, two fights a year, for the most part anyway, um, throwing in a December fight uh, once in a while, it, it it can all of a sudden wear on him, you know. Um, and some of his, you know, outside of the ring activities, and I'm not talking about, you know, partying and stuff like that. But him playing, and it sounds funny, a lot of people who, uh, you know, engaged in sports that are more, quote-unquote, athletic than golf, um, kind of laugh at this. But when you play a full round of golf during camps, not just walking that long, but just the wear and tear on your body doing the stroke and all that – it actually does take a little bit out of you as a top flight guy during your training camp. You know, if you have a rest day, sure, go out and go swimming or, or hang out or, you know, spend some time with the family, do whatever you got to do on a Sunday, the rest day or whatever. I, I actually do think that plays into it a little bit. I'm not saying, you know, oh, Canelo's past his prime now or the weight jumps have messed him up. Um, but he didn't look 100% himself. I'll say that. Um, But he didn't need to push anymore, you know, until later in the fight. Um, But anyway, we'll talk about that. There has been a few reports now on the pay-per-view buys for the trilogy. Uh, Dan Raphael reported a number that we'll talk about. Uh, Somebody else reported. Lance Pugmire reported as well. Basically, their reports are fairly low numbers if we're being honest, given the fact of the guarantees, uh, the reported guarantees, I should say. Now, DAZN sent out a press release um, in efforts to spin, really. to, to Not just spin. They put out a press release. Their PR put out a press release to kind of get ahead of some of this talk of late as far as, you know, losing money on this event. Um, 
But their press release, we'll get into it later, is super misleading. And it lends itself to say, huh, I kind of start believing those uh, reports. I really do. But either way, we always like to start in the ring unless it's just crazy, crazy news, right? If Spence Crawford gets made, we'd lead with that or something like that. You know, Javante uh, Davis versus Garcia. We'll lead with that. Speaking of Javante Davis, we will talk um, about a report that came out in the Baltimore um, in a Baltimore paper. Can't remember what it's called. I'll get the name in just a second, or not just a second, but when we actually uh, when we come across uh, the story, a judge rejected a plea deal. So it sounds like Javante. As of right now, things can change, uh, has a trial date. They're talking about like a two-day trial date of, in December 12th, which would put it on – wait, does that make sense, December 12th? Because if the fight's December 19th, uh, no matter what, it sounds like Gervonta's date is there. But we'll talk about that. That incident that happened in, I believe, November 2020, the hit-and-run accident – or incident, I should say – bunch of misdemeanors, a bunch of charges on misdemeanors. It can get you up to a year in jail. Um, not to say that he's going to do that, but we'll talk a little bit about that. It's kind of an interesting twist there, like, whoa. Um, there are some other news stories that we'll get into, no doubt about it. Uh, speaking of Tank, him and Ryan Garcia kind of went back and forth. Not like, you know, destroying each other on Twitter, but what could be a positive of what is to come. Who knows, though. But we will, uh, after we recap and talk it through, what is Canelo going to do next as far as a fight? You know, the things that he says about Benavidez as far as what he needs to do to earn the shot. It's kind of contradicting, if we're being honest. Now, first and foremost, Canelo has fought everyone under the sun in his resume, and he can do whatever the hell he wants. But when you start bringing up contradicting reasons why you wouldn't fight somebody, that's where I'll at least mention it going, well, what did Yildrum do? What did Rocky Fielding do to get that fight? There's other names too, but like I said, he can do whatever he wants. It sounds like he's not going to fight at the earliest till May. And that was, I kind of assumed that anyway. But um, we'll also talk about Triple G, who, by the way, he says he has three belts at 160, but I don't count the fifth belt, obviously. I barely want to count all four of the, <laughs> the belts, right? But he has two belts at 160, and we're going to find out here soon what his plans are because Arislandi Lara is in the cut waiting for a shot. The WBA, you know, they went on this big crusade of saying, we're going to put all the belts together and just have one belt, not two or three, uh, interim and regular and super and all that stuff. So that fight he does have to make a decision on. Um, could that lead to him fighting, you know, under the PBC banner for a few fights, fighting Lara if he wins fighting Charlo? Could be. It could be. We'll see, you know, how that goes. Benavidez also had some stuff to say about – he said the PBC company, but he also was, like, talking about the fighters and how we need to have these fights amongst each other. And uh, really, you know, he didn't get the Canelo fight uh, last year. He didn't get it this year. Um, there was a lot of money on the table 
for him to fight it, not just what he'd earn, but obviously what Canelo would earn if he signed that deal. And So I can see his frustration, and I get where he's coming from. Now, he has himself to blame, if we're being honest, too, you know, dropping the belt and all that off of his issue. But I, I do want to go over some of the stuff he said as well. Uh, but, of course, before we get to all the new stuff, we will, like I said, talk about this trilogy stuff. But also, um, we got a busy weekend coming up. And what's kind of cool uh, is the main two main events that I'm really interested in, don't get me wrong, I like Kid Callahan and uh, and uh, Maxie Hughes' fight too. Um, but Shakur Stevenson and, and Robinson or Robinson um, Concesau are fighting in New Jersey from the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. Um, Friday, this Friday on ESPN, which is kind of dope. I'm assuming uh, there'll be a Friday uh, football game, which will lead into that. And then on Saturday on ESPN Plus, remember I said, as this schedule starts to come through the fall, ESPN's got some pretty good fights. Uh, Yeah, that didn't work out, uh, uh, what, two weeks ago in the U.K. because of the, the death of the Queen, but that card is rescheduled now, too, for sure. So we have Joe Joyce and Joseph Parker on ESPN+. Plus. I think it's BT. Maybe it's BT and Sky. I think it's BT. Either way over there in the U.K., but that's a really good fight. I mean, Joseph Parker, you know, it's a sturdy, kind of crafty, good quality fighter, contender range, top 10 guy, no doubt about it. And Joe Joyce had to climb, you know, the, the heavyweight ladder much quicker. I mean, he's already, what, 36, 37, something like that? So they, they, they're definitely pushing him at a good rate. He spots some pretty good, you know, solid fighters considering how many fights he has. So I'm definitely uh, looking forward to that fight. And like I said, Max Hughes and Kid Callahan, too, on the zone for Saturday. So we have a, a pretty packed weekend. I'm excited. It's nice to see, you know, a pound-for-pound a, a pound type talent in Shakur Stevenson. And probably what will be a tougher fight um, than his last fight, which sounds weird because that was for the lineal champion or championship, you know, uh, for Oscar Valdez. But I wouldn't be surprised if it takes him longer to figure out um, Conceição. So I really wouldn't. He's got skill. He's got a little height on him. He's got some reach. I don't know if he'll actually use the reach. But he isn't afraid to roughhouse. You know, we've seen him you know, ducked it in that Valdez fight, I think, for hitting behind the head. In the bubble, he, I think he got deducted twice, but at least once uh, in that fight um, for low blows. So maybe he'll try that roughhouse stuff. We'll see. Um, So, yeah, there is a variety of stuff to talk about per usual. If this is your first time listening to the Rope and Dope Radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Rope and Dope Radio. You don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope and Dope and download the show uh, directly there. Listen to the browser. If you don't want to, you can find the platform on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Spricker, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and many other uh, platforms. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com. And one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have, you're not quite happy, I got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. It's the best of live TV on demand, no annual contracts, no hidden fees, plus you get to enjoy regional sports networks. 
for a limited time only, I know I've said that <laughs> a bunch lately with this, uh, but the prices start as low as forty nine ninety nine for two months. And if you upgrade to the Choice or Ultimate package, that gives you three months and a savings of $160. For three months, you get Showtime, Stars, Cinemax, and Epics. And I think it's $11 for Showtime boxing fans on this platform. Okay. By the way, that's Direct TV Stream. We'll just finish that ad off. So I went to the movie theater to watch the fight. Um, you know, a fair amount of times since they started kind of putting in, putting movies in the theaters. I'm trying to, or putting movies in the theaters, Jesus Christ. Putting fights back in the theaters. Because, you know, the Thriller in Manila and, and a bunch of those Ali fights and, and, and big fights that were overseas. You know, my, my dad and, and uncle and, you know, that type of thing. A lot of them would uh, go to the theater to, to watch those fights. And so it is kind of cool. I know it started kind of back with um, Mayweather. I think that was the first one in a while. Quote me if I'm wrong there. But, uh, you know, come to think about it, I don't think I actually went to a Mayweather one in the theater. But um, I have been to a lot of them, a whole lot of them. Um, Like I was saying last week, all three fights – for Canelo and Triple G, I saw in the theater. So, and I try to stress that, you know, we got so many pay-per-views to play. I try to stress that the fans that if you can find it out there near you, go for it, man. It's, it's anywhere from like 20 to $25. I think it's 22 here in, in Minnesota. And, uh, it's, you know, it's pretty fun. It is pretty fun, man. You get that live crowd atmosphere, of course, nowadays, most theaters, especially the, the newer ones anyway, have the reserved seats so you can come and go. You can go get something to eat. You can, you know, I remember, actually, I think it was the second Canelo Triple G fight. Remember they had that, like, 45-minute delay? Um, I actually went into the bar with a couple buddies, and we just hung out watching, uh, I think it was right around the conference. Or was it the COVID? God, I can't remember. But I think it was the conference finals or something, some football games that were going on. We're just hanging out, having a couple drinks, you know, just kind of paying attention to Twitter to see if it's, you know, when it's going to pop back on. You can go right back to your seat. So if anybody has a chance to do it, I recommend it Um, because it's just a fun time. It gives you an excuse to go to the theater, to maybe hang out with a friend you hadn't seen in a while, to meet boxing fans. I mean, it's pretty easy to spark up a conversation with somebody when you're there for the same thing. And a lot of times, you know, we don't have those outlets. I mean, that's really why I got into YouTube boxing. Uh, The boxing forums, I was kind of in and out of. I definitely read them, but I wasn't always active. But uh, they just kind of got old, you know. Um, But that's how I got involved with YouTube, just just wanting to talk to fans, wanting to talk, you know, discuss boxing with people. And – yeah, so you should definitely try it out. Uh, this one was pretty light. Um, the only other fight, uh, let's see, which one was it? I think I saw Spence and Mikey Garcia, and this one was in kind of a further out. You know how there's like tiers to suburbs out of the city? If you're in at least a mid-sized city or a big city, there's like tiers. Uh, 
you know, of length of how far they are out of the city. And this one was a little bit further out of the city, like a half hour or something like that, and uh, in a place called Lakeville, uh, Minnesota. And that one, one, it, it's there wasn't a lot of people there, but it, it was also quiet as shit. Um, and maybe it was a pro Mikey Garcia fan in that place, and that's why it was quiet because you know he didn't get much accomplished in that fight. I don't know, but it, that one was quiet. But this last one. Although I went with three other guys, it was real. Like the the ladies for Canelo were like the only people <laughs> making noise, and maybe we had some Golovkin fans in there. We we did. It was actually I would say it it was a little it was a little towards uh, Canelo. You could kind of tell when they you know do the announcements and all that, like they announce the fighters and stuff. But there was probably. Fifteen people in there, twenty uh, tops. Whereas usually the fights are pretty full that I go to. Uh, maybe not in the front, front, front row. You know, with the stadium seating, that those front rows. That's not always the best view for boxing. Wilder Fury was a little bit different. That was packed. The the first two fights with Canelo and Golovkin were definitely jam packed. Jam packed. Everyone was having a great time. So um, this one was a little bit, you know, like I said, I mean, four years after, it is what it is. But it, you know, still, though, you know what I'm saying? Still, it was uh, it was fun. It was definitely fun. Um, breaking down this fight, though, Canelo was actually was, you know, I don't know the copy box, but I believe he out-jabbed. Well, maybe, maybe he didn't. Maybe he ended up not out-jabbing him, but. Um, the jab was just on. You know, he was landing some good jabs. Golovkin was landing his jab, but not nearly enough. Um, second round, he, along with the jab, Canelo added a few overhand rights, which is not always a, a, a shot he throws wide right away. He likes that left hook. And maybe that left hook, you know, he wasn't throwing as many because of that wrist, I don't know. Um, Golovkin did land some decent jabs, and, and he also, you know, threw some body punches. I think there was two of them in that second round. And I was like, okay, that's a little different, you know. But then, you know, the left hook did start to come out along with the jab for Canelo. And by the fourth round, like, literally, Canelo was in control of this fight. I mean, it was like, okay, wow. Um, and you could really see that – the body work, the right hands to the body, left hook to the body. I'm not saying he just was shoe shine into the body, but it seemed like most shots or every damn near every shot that Canelo threw the body sounded and looked like it hurt. And by the fifth round already, the body work was starting to add up a little bit. Um, in the sixth round, um, I thought Golovkin of the fight up until the sixth round, I thought that was his best round. Was it enough? to win maybe some people gave him the first round sixth round would be one of those that you go okay seventh round early in that seventh round Golovkin picked it up he picked up the pace it was almost like they literally well they said this after the fight too that they were really gonna go for it in that that second half and you could see he was making an effort even in that sixth round but especially he picked it up right away in that seventh but I still thought in the seventh round, Canelo 
was the guy landing the better shots overall. Um, landed a good uppercut along with his jab late in the eighth round. But still, a question mark, was that enough to win that round? I, I don't know. So, like I said, through eight rounds, one, maybe two? And, and I, don't, I don't believe it's two. But then again, I only watched it once. I didn't have a rewind button sometimes midway through a round. I'll rewind the round or, or, or I'll just – or not midway, but at the end I'll, I'll rewind it and be like, oh, let me say the last 90 seconds again, whatever. So maybe that would change my mind. Then I thought in the ninth round, the true aggression from Golovkin really started backing up Canelo. He was landing flush shots, and it was like, okay, here we go. He is actually backing him up, and he's being aggressive. And with that jab, um, you know, a meaningful left hook, uppercuts, another active round in the tenth round. Um, the eleventh round, that steady jab and power shots from Golovkin. Um, that was a close round, though, because Canelo did kind of land the bigger shots, possibly. Twelfth round, very competitive. Uh, you know, not as much. I think that from, I guess you could say, six to eleven, and especially, you know, in that eight, nine range, but nine, ten, eleven, I'm not saying that he gassed, but it didn't seem like, Golovkin, you know, laid the, 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 the pedal to the metal enough. Um, even in that, by, by the 12th round, it just didn't seem like he did enough to just resoundingly win that round first day. You know what I mean? So, um, and, you know, you can, you can tell in a variety of ways how this fight, you know, wasn't what the other fights were. You know, that that's, that's pretty basic. And, and to be fair, you know, if you look over the trilogies, you know, from, from yesteryear, right? I mean, a lot of times that's how it goes down. You know what I mean? If we're being honest, a lot of times that is how these go down. Um, you know, it just, it just doesn't, you know, it just doesn't live up to, to, to some hype. You know what I mean? Sometimes it just, it, it just is that way, you know? And so we basically got the, the bad fight. In the, you know, in my mind anyway, the, 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 the slower fight right here. I mean, that was pretty obvious. Uh, it doesn't take a rocket science to, you know, scientists to figure that out. It, it definitely um, was a slower fight, especially the first, you know, like I said, the first two rounds were, you know, or seven rounds. I mean, how many could you give to them? You know, I'm not saying like, you know, Canelo let the the world on light the world on fire either, but um, if you look at body shots, thirty seven to ten, I think it was forty six to six if I remember correctly. Uh, you know, in the second one, and like I said, to be fair, Golovkin did get his jab going enough to where I think he passed him. Let me look at it real quick. Yeah, he did seventy four to forty five. Uh, you know. But 85 to 46 power, power power punchings overall, though, you know, 528 to compared to like six or 700 is what they were throwing in the first couple, or, or what Golovkin was throwing in the first. So so 120 out of 521 for 23 percent total punches, and 130 out of 487 at 26 percent. So a higher, you know, 
higher rate there as far as landing, definitely a higher rate on the power punches. That was the thing. It's like it just – once he got the jab established, it just didn't seem like Golovkin could, uh, could do enough there, you know. So, yeah, it, it definitely was, you know, the stinker of the bunch per se. You know what I mean? It is what it is. Um, but, you know, I, I kind of just assume – like, it wasn't a horrible fight. I mean, if we're being honest, I, you know, the fact that Golovkin, you know, did uh, did pick it up, that definitely helps, you know. But it just – it's still, you know, it still was just – it was just – it just wasn't as fun. Wasn't as good as fight. It's not the worst fight ever. But you know, I heard all sorts of stuff. People get a little emotional. Maybe you're just drunk and you're like, "What the hell? That was the worst fight." It wasn't the worst fight, especially the second half. It was competitive. Um, but yeah, Canelo clearly won. Um, you know, I, I I just can't see the argument any other way. I think it'd be pretty uh, ridiculous to go any other way out of that. If we're being honest. Um, it just, it just, he won the fight clear as day, you know? Um, now as far as like, we'll get into what's next. We'll get into the pay-per-view stuff because the, you know, we talked about how big of a deal this was, um, you know, for, to be honest, for the zone, because they got a big fight. This is, this was their huge fight that they wanted, you know, they wanted to have Canelo and Golovkin under their banner. And they wanted this fight. Canelo clearly didn't want it. I'm not saying he's ducking anybody. But clearly he was like, nah, I'm good. You know, I won the second fight cleanly. And there was bad blood. They sure didn't fight like they had a bunch of bad blood until later in the fight. I did like how they hugged it out. And and Canelo and both of them showed a lot of respect for each other. That was really cool because it was getting pretty damn feisty. Which, you know, we like to see, of course. (laughs) Um, so we'll talk about that other stuff a little bit more. Once John calls in, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that as well. Um, but on the undercard, um, Austin, Amo Williams, and Karen Conway uh, fought. And, you know, rounds probably one through three, it was pretty much Amo landed left hands mostly. But it was really kind of one at a time type deal. Um, you could see Conway countering, uh, landing short shots overall, the cleaner shots. Uh, in the fourth round, just to kind of pick it up, Conway's jab in that right hand. In the fifth round, Ammo got a little bit more aggressive behind his jab and his left to the head and body were starting to land again. Uh, Conway slightly on the back foot by the sixth round, kind of jabbing, land a couple right hands. So after six, it was kind of like three, three-ish. It was in that range. Ammo definitely, you know, started pressuring with that jab again, straight lefts and hooks with both hands. Uh, overhand lefts were really big in the eighth round for Ammo. In the ninth, kind of an early, uh, early success. Um, and then Ammo scores a, a, K, a knockdown on an uppercut, I think it was. Uh, but it, it was kind of like an uppercut, and then he kind of pushed Conway, who was by that time bleeding really badly. Overall, though, um, 97-92, and two scorecards had it 
you know, it was an okay fight. It was it was pretty good. wasn't wasn't bad. That's for sure. It was competitive. It gave uh, you know, it gave you something to think about for both fighters. Um, and Ammo definitely had the you know press later in the fight. Then you had Akhmedev, Ali Akhmedev, and Gabe Rosario. And it was pretty slow the first, say, three rounds. Ali was, you know, landed the better shot. The fourth round, you did see Rosario kind of come out of his shell. He was being aggressive. He had that high guard and being aggressive. But, you know, how effective was he really being at that time? Um, probably a minute in or something in the fifth round, Ali landed a big, big right hand. And, and, and pretty much that there's really no point of going through round by round by round. He controlled the action, landing in combination throughout. You know, it was, it was, it was pretty clean there. The co-feature, though, I'll say Israel Gonzalez and Bam Rodriguez. Israel Gonzalez showed me more um, than I thought he would, especially against this style match. It's nothing against Gonzalez. You know, I've seen him, I think, three times, three other times heading into this. He's shown that he's a quality fighter, good fighter. Um, but I, I thought Bam would be too much for him. You know, and ultimately he was, of course. But the body work, especially with the right hand by Gonzalez, was just a thing of beauty. I mean, this, he won the first round for me. Um, second round, Bam kind of was doing his short shots using the angles, his upper body movement. I had a, two buddies that had never seen Bam fight, and I was kind of prepping them before the fight, saying, hey, this, hey, that, hey, this. And just the other day, I saw one of, one of my friends that was there with me, and he was, like, messing around doing Bam Rodriguez moves. So he's, Bam's his new guy, 100%. But you got to respect Gonzalez, though. Even in the third round, Bam came on early in mid through the round, I'd say, but then the, that body work by Gonzalez closed out the third really well, and that fourth round, the combinations, sure, most of them to the body, but a few good right hands to the head, finally. That was kind of like the biggest thing, Gonzalez trying to land to the head. That was tough, and I do like, that's just a great strategy against a guy that has so much upper body, head movement and upper body movement. It's just so skilled, it's like, you might as well try to land to the body. Because you know at least that's somewhere in the range where you can target rather than clean shots. So it did take Gonzalez a little while to land his right hand to the head. But, um, you know, the fifth and sixth, Bam, was landing the better shots, uh, those short shots. But good action, though, you know, but heavy short shots. And credit for Gonzalez for taking them. Um, some good two-way action in the seventh. Um once again, the jab and those short hooks by uh, Bam did it. Um, Rodriguez got a point deducted, low blow, 10-9. Um, it was, you know, it was kind of a low, it was a low blow. Not, not a bad, bad one, but it was. But yeah, just overall, the angles and activity just mounted up and just kept putting, you know, um, rounds in the bank. Um, you know, 10th round. Bam probably <laughs> did better, landed better overall. Gonzalez, though, in spots, man, he, he, he was really landing some good stuff. Another, I think it was an, or was that the, yeah, there was another low blow, I believe, in the 11th by Bam. 
12th round was competitive overall, 118, 109, 117, 111, and 114, 113. Um, like I said, you couldn't give Gonzalez a bunch of rounds, per se, you know. Um, but I liked, you know, I liked I, – it was just a good test for him. I mean, it really was, for me, a good test. I, I was very – like, I, I was – I was happy it turned out this way, and he's been a very active fighter this year. And he even said, you know, he, he did look a little, um, little worn. He said he, he felt a little worn down, didn't feel his 100% best. Um, but, you know, sometimes this happens. This is the thing about boxing. Sometimes you can – it's not like he took his eye off the target because he was finding at home up to the target a lot. Um whether it was the style, whether some people were saying maybe he overlooked him minorly, maybe, you know, he kind of even said something like that. But overall, he said he was just kind of burnt out at the moment and he needed a little rest. He was, you know, it sounds like he wants to fight in September. Or I'm sorry, September. That'd be a pretty quick turnaround. In December, um, on that Chocolatito um, Estrada card, the trilogy on that, which would be dope for him. But um, I don't know. Maybe he'd wait another month and, and fight sometime early 2023 in a main event. I'm not sure. Either way, though, it's good. You know, he, he you would assume that the test would have came in these last two fights. And, and ultimately, it is a test. He just passed them with, with flying colors, you know. And so that's the way boxing is sometimes. Sometimes a style matchup, sometimes, you know, you have success early in a fight. And you're thinking, all right, yeah, I'm going to get this guy out of there. And, you know, all of a sudden dude's hit me to the body. All of a sudden dude's not getting hurt like I thought he would as much. Uh, not to say Gonzalez didn't get hurt in the fight because he did. But um, Gonzalez just did enough, whether it was just, like I said, most of it was to the body, but he did start to uh, land that right to the head and just, was just a tough veteran, and, and they said, oh, this is a title shot, and this is probably it for him. It's like, well, how old is he, dude? He's not, this isn't probably it, dude. Like, this guy's a good fighter, man. So I'm not saying he's going to be a lineal champ at a division or something like that, but, you know, a young fighter like Bam needs a fight like this, man. And whether he got a little drained from fighting so much this year, whether he just had a rough camp, uh, whether he did kind of, you know, think he was going to be able to beat this guy easier uh, without taking so much body work punishment, you know, sometimes that just subconsciously, you let your guard down minorly, you know, it's really easy to get up for, you know, well-known guys that we have quattros. Okay, that dude's been, he was in the flyway wars, you know, and obviously rung beside, like, yeah, dude, it, you know, so I think that plays into it a little bit. But either way, I like the fact that he got some, you know, he got, he lost some rounds. He got hit to the body a whole lot. He wasn't able to just do him and, and knock the guy out. It wasn't an easy fight. So I think ultimately this will help him in general. And so I was glad to see, I'm not saying, oh, I'm glad to see Bam struggle. It's not that. But it's just, he's so young and it was, not that this stuff came easy, but when you see it in the ring, these last two outings, it sure looked pretty damn easy, or, or less 
difficult than you'd assume against those matchups. So it's kind of nice to see this. So it was good. It was a let's just put. I think I was just so happy that it was a competitive fight throughout the whole thing that it was like, yeah, all right, well, this kind of lived up to a co-feature, whereas on paper it looked like they were just putting Bam there for a reason. He's had two tough matchups. Let's put him in here, keep him active, and put him on the Canelo card. Makes a lot of sense. But they actually got entertainment. He had to show his toughness and his skills. So uh, just a fun fight. It was a really, really fun fight. Okay. <clears throat> we, Like I said, we will look forward to this Friday and Saturday, one on ESPN, the other on ESPN+. Plus. Technically, I guess Friday, ever since for a while now, ESPN, anything on ESPN is on ESPN+. Plus which I've always given a lot of credit for because that's really cool. So ESPN and ESPN Plus that night, Friday and Saturday, we have some interesting um, heavyweight, 130-pound. And even on zone, Maxie Hughes and Kid Gallahan, yeah, the main event, you know, got pushed off, but that card's still going through. So we'll talk. We'll preview and predict the week, and no doubt about it, there is some other news. Um, but we're going to go ahead and bring in John to get his take on the fights. He actually went to the theater, too, so I do want to see the, the theater experience and just his thoughts on everything. Of course, after we talk about in-the-ring stuff, we will be talking about – I've already got some messages. Are you just going to duck the pay-per-views? Are you going to talk the pay-per-views? We're going to talk pay-per-views, man. We are going to, okay? Um, and what he's, you know, what he's talking about, the person messaged me is – like I said at the, the top of the show, some people just joining us now, Dan Raphael, a uh, couple other, uh, Lance Pugmire, they all have the fight under 600,000 buys um, in the U.S. Now, DAZN put out a press release, and they, but their press release is very misleading. And there's a couple of items that stand out to me that's normally there that we're going to discuss or what they count as a pay-per-view buy um, in the non-pay-per-view markets where technically was, was a lot of the world didn't have to, if you have the zone, you had it, you know, I don't know if it was eight countries or 10 countries. I can't remember. I do have a list of some of the prices and all that, but we'll get into that stuff. But like I said, here at the rope Dove radio, we like to be in the ring first. Okay. We'll get to the drama and all that stuff on the outside. And, hey, we're not ducking anything because John and I have talked this through the whole time, how important this fight is to the zone as far as matchroom to zone here in the States. And if they, in fact, do want to say, if you're going to fight a the zone fighter, we have to be involved. If, if you're going to have Charlo, we need Charlo Munguia, we need to have it on pay-per-view to a, a joint pay-per-view. And, and that was a stupid idea because Showtime wasn't even thinking about putting it on pay-per-view. But you know what I mean? Like, like for instance, you know, Javante Davis, Ryan Garcia, you know, Oscar has made it known heavy that, that has to, they have to be involved. Well, this is very important, you know, to do well because you got to show, hey, you got two names in America that have sold two fights and multiple other fights too and, and created a lot of gate. This was their big moment. And uh, from the looks of it, you know, it, it definitely did not uh, break even. 
Let's put it that way. But like I said, we'll get to that. Just just calm down. I promise we'll get to that. Let's stay in the ring, though. Let's bring John into the frame here. What's going on, John? How you doing, man? Hey, Chris. Uh, great to be here. And as you mentioned, I, I didn't think I'd be joining you in terms of how we were going to watch the fight last Saturday night by also going to the theater. But as you had mentioned it, and I started checking into it a little bit, and it got closer, I thought, I'm going to make my first appearance at the theater, uh, just going from home to the theater, since I think it was Leonard Duran 3 on December 7th, 1989. Uh, I thought I'd, I'd caught a couple on the big screen when I was on the road traveling and uh, wasn't able to get it in hotels, but just choosing to go from home to the theater for it. It was the first time since about December 7th of 89. So, uh, you know, I just think for me, just being a throwback, I enjoyed it. It wasn't a huge crowd there or anything, just a, a few other people. But uh, Yeah, how many people that do you think? How, not to interrupt you, but how, how many how many people were there? Oh, no, that, like, that, that, that matters. Um, and I'm not exaggerating. Um, and I think there was about uh, 10. So, you know, <laughs> and I'm not exaggerating. So, and. Right. I did tweet this out because it was funny and it really did happen. I, I kind of didn't blame them. Three of them were obvious. Well, I think the rest of them were like big Golovkin fans that were there. Uh, you know, and myself, I'm I'm kind of watching. I've always liked Canelo, but not, nothing against Golovkin. But I think that some of these people were there really hoping Golovkin was going to, you know, get this revenge type thing in the third fight of the trilogy. And, and three of them walked out after the eighth round. So I thought the scoring, we'll get into that, of course, but I thought the scoring, I thought the scoring spoke for itself because I exaggerated that one bit. There were three Golovkin fans that, that walked out after the eighth round. And I, I I think they just thought it was a shutout. So um, they didn't come back either. So um, yeah, I I just, you know, so, but I, I I was still, even with the small crowd, I, I did enjoy being in the theater for a change of pace. I, I ended up feeling good about it. I got robbed on concessions like I thought I would, but I enjoyed it <laughs> enough that even with the concession robbery getting into my pockets, uh, I think I think the popcorn, raisinets, uh, <laughs> raisinets and a Diet Coke and, and some licorice, I paid 25 bucks on top of my uh, ticket to go. So, uh, But still, it was still less than the 64, and I had a good time, so... I, I was glad I did it. So that that was actually a plus for me. It, I, I saw no an, anecdotal evidence that good overall, but it, it surprised me that it was available. So you know, you got me thinking about it when you mentioned it, and then that's when I checked and I said, "I'll I'll, I'll be darned, it's uh, it is available." And, and so I went. I, I had a good time, but there was no no major turnout or anything like that to report. Just the one observation I thought was amusing was the three Golovkin fans walking out after the eight. <laughs> Dipped out. It's funny because before you got on, I did the Golovkin Canelo first, my round by round, and I'm looking at the eighth round going, or you know, after eight going, how many? Like we even sat there and talked amongst each other, like how many rounds can you give him right now, like. I mean, seriously, like, how many could you get, you know what I mean? So, that's crazy, though. You know, there was about, there was probably about 15-ish, 17, maybe 20, which usually the other two fights for Canelo and Golovkin were jam-packed. And most of them are are at least 80% full, if not pretty full. Um, 
And the last one I went to was Wilder Fury last October, and that was full, you know. Um, but, yeah, the, the Canelo Golovkin 1 and 2 were jam-packed. The place is going nuts like you're at a live fight. It was great. But, yeah, this one, um, it was quiet in there. It was really like some girls yeah. making noise for Canelo. That was about it. You know what I mean? There wasn't much. We could hear we, – we felt like we were talking too loud. Like we're in a normal movie yeah. sometimes, you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's, that is that's the thing. Mine was like, it was quiet. Just it so people quiet. know out there, it's not like a normal movie. You can talk, you can be on their phone, you can, you right. know, you can really be right. active and stuff like that. So a lot of people think, oh, that would be weird, not, you know, not to scream. It's like, no, no, you can do whatever you want. Well, not anything you want, but, you know, you can do a whole lot in there that you can't yeah, do you can yell in a and theater. All that, all that right. stuff and stand and yell. All that kind of stuff, right? But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I actually it brought back good memories for me, and it was an outing and seeing it on the big screen. I, I'll do it again. I mean, it's kind of funny; it's been so long, but I, I'd do it again, even with a small crowd. And I, I did enjoy myself, so I, I was glad. I, I was glad I went. Um, yeah, the, the main event is you went through the scoring. I thought. I mean, you know, I got some interesting takes on that in the sense that. Yeah, I was looking at it the same way. I'm like, I can't give Golovkin rounds here. I just can't do it. I thought then it was even overrated, like, after the eighth. Like, he did better, yeah, than he had been doing before the eighth. But And Canelo was tiring a little. You know, Canelo does have those stamina mm-hmm. lapses once in a while. But, but with that, but those two things understood, he wasn't sweeping rounds. He wasn't sweeping rounds or – dominating the second half of the fight or anything. Uh, just, right. You know, whatever you think of whatever you think of him, I, I, I retweeted because I thought it was interesting just because he's such a veteran. Like, you know, Kevin Isle was always writing for the Las Vegas, you know, journal when I was always going out there for fights. And, you know, you'd read his pre-fight and the, the next morning and everything. And, you know, he's still based there. He's, you know, slants more UFC now, but – he, he did write an article about this right after the fight. and He, he said he had a 10-2 Canelo. And I thought, you know, he, he's not a guy that is going to be accused of being anti-Golovkin or something right. like that. So, you know, I, and he said it was like pathetic. Like he, I, you know, some people say, oh, well, he's not into boxing as much as he used to. So he's knocking. I, I didn't even take it that way. I thought he was honest with you know, he was just like, come on, this, you know, I, I had it 10-2. It was struggle to give Golovkin a couple of rounds. And Daniel Jacobs was saying in the commentary, too, I didn't think he was off base. You know, he was like, yeah, he's doing a little better. But well, what do you, what can you really give, you know, what can you really give him? So um, I can, we're kind of going in reverse order. But since you mentioned, I get, you know, again, my take on it. And then the scoring was shocking. But believe it or not, when I thought about it, I think I want to use it as a different example of something I've been talking about for a while now. Like boxing is a subjective sport. I mean, Steve Weisfeld, you know, ha- has been involved in these before. And, you know, where well, I think he scored the second for Canelo. I mean, you know, he's a lawyer in Jersey. You know, I don't, I don't know the guy like personally. I've met him before years back. He was, I think he took the bar right around when I took the bar in Jersey. So, uh, you know, I was a boxing fan, so I knew who he was. We talked a couple times. Like I said, I don't like know him, but uh, I'm just saying that, you know, I, I think the guys, you know, it doesn't mean lawyers are better than anybody else, but I just mean in terms of you got ethical duties and things like that. So, I mean, 
and you know he comes up with I'm, and in this fight I thought his score was terrible but what I'm just saying is like I think overall he's a good judge like his score was just terrible for this fight I don't I don't think it was a conspiracy theory like pro Golovkin that like he was pro pro Canelo conspiracy now he's pro Golovkin conspiracy I think this is actually one to use as a good example of people don't want to do this but I think they need to do it more yeah, boxing has had corruption. There's no doubt about it. You know, it doesn't mean there could never be corruption. Of course, there could be. But most of the time when we see these things, it's just because boxing, is pro boxing especially, it's just a subjective sport. You know, you get, you get people looking at different things and, and coming up with these different conclusions. And then when it adds up over rounds, you can end up with these wacky scorecards. Because don't get me wrong, I thought, from what I saw, I thought the cards were insane, but I don't think there was a conspiracy there or anything. I mean, you know, Weisfeld's a good judge, you know, usually one of the better ones. Um, but, you know, two one fifteen. I mean, can you imagine, like, if gloves could drop them in the last round or whatever, like, right. a draw? Uh, yeah. I mean, or, insane. like, Janello takes like... one more round off or something. We're looking at a draw. Here, <laughs> right. I mean, it's like. I mean, crazy at the very least you can say it shows how sometimes like this, this this old theory probably is true i mean you know to a degree it's just human nature like you know they would say you know judges get influenced by the crowd you know in certain, like in certain venues and more again more the con- than the conspiracy that's probably true and you know may- maybe in this case i would speculate i think again human nature you know weisfeld was probably hearing all the stuff all the time about Canelo supposedly getting favored and outrageous cards in his favor and all this. And he, and he probably just, he probably just started over slanting Golovkin. I mean, not like as a conscious conspiracy, but, but I do think that's probably what happened here and, and, you know, came up with a, a really bad card um, because those one fifteen thirteens, 13s, you know, for this fight, were bad cards, but I'm not calling for conspiracy or suspension. I'm just saying, I think this is probably a good example that everybody should remember that like, look, you know, I mean, it's a subjective thing. And and I was thinking about this after that fight too. I think it's a really good example to bring up like why pro boxing didn't work. You know, remember when the amateurs in 88 and Roy Jones did get robbed in 88, there's no doubt about it. But then the amateurs, said, well, we've got to do something. They they tried to make it not a subjective sport. Like they actually really did try, in other words, with the punch counting. They had, you know, with the surface of the glove, you count every time. doesn't matter how hard it is. You count every time one fighter hits the other and vice versa. And then you just simply come up with a score at the end of three rounds, like 16-12, and whoever's got 16 wins the fight. And those were the most boring fights of all time. I mean, you know, like, I mean, the amateurs disposed of it, not necessarily because, like, they couldn't execute the punch count thing. It it was just boring. It was boring. It was terrible. Like, you know, that's where you got all that. We talked about it a lot, but that's where you got all that jumping in and out that, you know, a lot of the Cuban fighters started doing a lot. And frankly, some of the former Soviet bloc fighters started doing a lot of that, too, uh, because, you know, that was that you touched the guy. And then you jump out and you don't let them hit you. And then, you know, you win 
15, 13 or something like that. But why I'm bringing that up is that didn't work. It's terrible. So pro boxing is always going to be subjective because you can't make it like that. It's a terrible sport in terms of entertainment. And the amateurs even finally had to drop it because it was terrible. Um, so you're always, I, I'm kind of saying like, you're really always going to have this. We don't want it to be corrupt and a conspiracy for real, but we're going to always get cards where we're just shaking our head. Like, like what the hell was that? Because we don't want to go to the punch count days. It just doesn't work. And that's why when people also go with CompuBox too much, it's pro boxing. And frankly, that is a good example of some of the, I think where I had differences with people in the first two Canelo fights, you know, it, Golovkin can have a hard jab, but they're definitely not all hard. And when he's flicking a jab in pro boxing, and Canelo's hitting him with power shots because Canelo's got a good jab, but he doesn't like to jab. You know, to me, and, you know, Canelo's the better defender. I, I'm giving those rounds to Canelo, you know, at times. But you get people who confuse it with the old amateur punch count days, and Golovkin flicks out a jab, and they're going, okay, that's five punches landed. You know, he, he, he outpunched Canelo, and Canelo lands a left hook, and they're saying, well, Golovkin outlanded him five to one there. But it's, it's pro boxing. It doesn't mean he's winning because he flicked five jabs out there, and then, you know, Canelo landed a real good left hook, a power shot. You know, it could be, could be the opposite. So that's my take on that. But don't get me wrong. I thought for this fight the scorecards were terrible. I mean – you know, you were having trouble giving Golovkin around. I saw Golovkin fans walk out, and then, you know, maybe you give them two, you know, down the, st- the stretch, and you're getting 115, 113s. That was, that was crazy. Yeah, it, it was. Like I said, I remember after eight rounds, we're all talking, like, how many? I don't think we can really, like, if we can get one, maybe? And that was a maybe, you know? Yeah, it was right. Uh, yeah, exactly, like, it was like a, you could maybe give him one and through eight. Exactly. And and he talked about how the game plan was, you know, to really come on, come on in the second half. And, and it was like, mm, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that's such a great game plan unless you're going to start pretty good and win some. A couple, let's say it was four to two after six, and then you really go for it and try to gas out Canelo. With, okay, that's a little. That makes more sense, but. He was barely even jabbed. I mean, early on, he was getting out jabbed. <laughs> you know, it was like, whoa, this is really right. weird. Like, how the hell is he getting out jabbed? Now, that came on later, and, you know, he, he even, you know, he went over the top in those, uh, you know, in that punch. But, yeah, he didn't. He just, uh, I don't know. I mean, what do you think overall? We talked about, you know, Canelo, his side of stuff a little bit. But what do you think was the – I know he talked about game planning was probably the wrong game plan. Do you think that's just cover up for that I'm showing, you know, Father Age is starting to catch up and I, do, I actually don't want to throw six or 700 punches, um, you know, a fight to try to win this fight and take the punishment I had to, or he still didn't really go to the body uh, all that much. Where, where do you see both these guys? Uh, some people are saying well, Canelo I, didn't look all that good either. And, and now maybe yeah, – I- Go ahead. Uh, no, I, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I thought people got a little carried away with the Canelo. Um, didn't look all that good. Now we don't get it right every time, and nobody does. But I just thought you and I really had this one down, and I thought that's the way it played out. Now 
The part I don't attribute to the 40, of course, you know, Golovkin's a 40-year-old middleweight. You're going to have some decline. You have to be fair there that he's got to have some. But what you look for in these things is there, there were things that he was doing that were a problem in the first two fights. So it wasn't only because he was 40, and I think that's part of how we were able to analyze it right. Like you remember, I do have to cite to what I said last week, and I was talking about, you know, hearing, I, I've been saying this, and I, I heard, you know, Roy Jones and Antonio Tarver saying this in a, in a boxing debate, and, you know, Malinaji was in it too, but they were saying, look, you know, and these guys, you know, guys were, were you know, at top fighters in the ring. They've been there, you know, they've, they've taken the shots, they've given the shots. They said, you know, Golovkin just doesn't, you know, he, he could trade. He's got the attributes to do it, but especially in the second fight, you could see the guy's just not willing to do it. There's something missing there. And yes, he's 40, but you saw that again. I mean, he's got a great chin. I'm not disputing that. You're not disputing that. Nobody who watches boxing is. And he's, and I've always said it about him. I mean, not that others don't, of course, too, with this, but, you know, the guy's power is tremendous. It's got to be respected because even when he was fighting lesser opposition, but it is guys that were on the world-class level, so to speak, in this kind of watered-down era, he was knocking those guys out. And, you know, even in fights where he had trouble, I mentioned that last week too, you know, Derry Vianchenko, Jacobs, he did drop those guys. So the power's very real, the chin's very real, yet when he had the, the part of that's because you know people who boost him they they just have trouble giving Canelo any credit. I mean I, I I think it's the truth and it does to me even go back to the first fight. Remember those kind of people were all saying in the first fight Golovkin was going to kill Canelo that you know he he was going to knock him out. You know Canelo was an underdog and you know Golovkin's going to knock him out. You know he's definitely going to knock him out. He's going to expose the guy. That, then that talk was all forgotten when it didn't happen, and it became Golovkin's a jab master. And and I found that look, we know he jabs a lot. We know he's got a good jab. But I no, all right. And I laughed too because I found that comical. I got to go to those years back because even to till today, I found that comical. It was Mexican style destroyer. He's going to kill Canelo. He's knocking this guy out. Canelo's, you know, been getting away with a fraud. Re- remember all the talk, you know, Golovkin's been trying to get this guy. He's got him now. He's knocking him out. Didn't happen. Didn't even come close to knocking him out. Didn't hurt him. He's trying to age and, him out. Right. You're right. Age him and, and then, you know, then it all of a sudden it became this narrative of Golovkin as jab master, you know, which we've heard for years. But Golovkin as jab master is not really all that effective as his backers, the people that really love him too much, you know, in other words, they're not really balanced on evaluating him. That, that wasn't his strengths. I mean, it wasn't, it doesn't mean he doesn't have a good jab and doesn't jab more than other guys, but it was power punching. I mean, you know, it was, he was coming to, to take guys out and, you know, he two handed power, like you said, including body shots. Now, in three fights with Canelo, there's been nothing to the body. And that's because Canelo is just too quick for him and too good of a counter puncher. And he's been afraid that he's going to get his head countered off if he keeps going to the body against Canelo. So I, I, I believe since the first fight, and we've seen that through three, that's why that doesn't happen because it really can't. But he, he still could be more aggressive. You know, he's got the chin. What what he could have done in any of these three 
that he just won't do. And and this one was the most glaring now because he's a bit older. But you saw it in the first two as well. He just won't stand his ground with the guy and trade and, you know, say, I'm going to go with my power against your power. I might take a couple shots here, but I'm going to – I think I got the better cheer and I got the better power. And that – you look at the the Cuban school, the, the a lot of those former Soviet bloc countries, because I do see this. It, it is generalizing, yes, and you can always come up with some exceptions. I know when you generalize – you come up with exceptions, but you do see these trends. Those guys, those guys from those schools, they, they're just not – that goes – like I said, those schools go back more to that amateur punch-counting era, and they're just not schooled to to get into those kind of brawls. You know, they, they really – and that's why, you know, a lot of times, again, it's generalizing, but you'll see – you know, some Americans went with some of that, but then others didn't. And then they, some of them would do better as pros than they had in the amateurs. And, you know, the Mexicans are, are known for not really having a lot of amateur emphasis. You know, they emphasize a lot of power emphasize. Uh, there got to be, you know, when you start even going back to Salvador Sanchez and then going through Barrera, Morales, Marquez, those guys, you got more boxing started to get emphasized, but you still always had, you know, the power punching as part of it you know, being willing to be aggressive, knocking people out. You, some of those guys that are, that are from those amateur schools, you know, that the old former Soviet bloc and the Cuban, it just seems to me that, you know, when, when they're in that tough spot a lot of times, that's just, it's just not natural for them. And that's what I, in three fights with that, I've seen that with Golovkin, you know, then he starts, and I don't even mention that after the first fight, and there were some people who are real Golovkin backers that were like, oh, you're just criticizing the guy now, you know, one fight, and that's not valid and all this stuff. But then you saw it in two more afterward. Like, you know, he, what he, he really, you know, you know gets pre- – you know, Canelo's kind of like the kryptonite, like I said last week, and he gets pressed, and then he, he gets into flicking the jab out. He doesn't want to trade. And, you know, it, it hurt him in all three fights, and, and it hurt him the worst. Because there there were more people now that were willing to say in this one, hey, look, you know, of course the guy is forty. You got to be fair there, but but he's just not willing to. He's just not willing to stand there and trade. He, he's not willing to, with the attributes he has, be aggressive enough. And it cost him badly in this fight because, you know, Canelo is better defensively. He's faster, and uh, you know he was just basically. A kind of a power boxing, but but outboxing him, you know, completely through the first eight. And I don't even think Golovkin came on that much. He just he just did better. And Canelo, you know, he has those stamina lapses here and there. He he was showing a little bit of one of those. I, I would agree with that criticism of Canelo, but I thought he looked decent. I mean, he was dominating the fight. But as you and I both said, you know, this is then with Canelo where he where he has some limitations there. We said, you know, with Golovkin's chin. Canelo's combinations, he's not throwing them like he was. And I said that specifically last week. I don't think Canelo will open up with the combinations to get Golovkin out of there. He won't do it. And he didn't do it because, you know, he was hitting him pretty much at will, missing a little bit here and there, but not much. But as you pointed out before the Bivol fight, heard him in Bivol. I'm totally on board with that now. And others are saying, and I agree, you know, we're see, we are seeing Canelo's combinations drop off, and that was a big strength. Um, you know, that, that could be a problem for him going forward because, 
you know, if he can't get a guy out of there that hurt him with one shot, you know, he's, his volume is not that high and it's going to lead to tight fights. But, you know, Golovkin just didn't do enough uh, to, make this, to make this fight close in reality, despite what those scorecards said there. So, um, you know, to me, Golovkin, never, he did a little better late, very late, but he didn't really turn it up. Um, and Canelo really dominated the fight despite those scorecards. Um, this one I put in the category of this kind of played out like we, we thought it was. Would, I think we had this one uh, pretty well pegged going in. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I did think it would be, you know, uh, more competitive, of course, but um, that's yeah. true. I did. Uh, I, got, I got to be fair there. I did think it would be a bit more competitive. That's true. I, I got to be fair there. I thought the scorecards had it that way, but I didn't see it that way. I thought in reality it would be a bit more competitive. Yes. So, um, as far as undercard stuff, uh, what'd you think of Bam Rodriguez's fight against Israel Gonzalez, who, especially to the body, put up a a pretty stern fight, even though he didn't win a lot of rounds, but it was com- more competitive, more back and forth than I thought. What did you think of Bam Rodriguez's uh, performance against Gonzalez and then the rest of the card that you saw? I, I kind of agreed with the DAZN. I usually don't, but I kind of agreed with the DAZN commentators in the Bam fight. I, I thought that fight was closer than the judges had it. I mean, I was kind of agreeing with the commentators. I'm like, you know, these, a lot of these rounds could be going either way. I mean, this could be fairly scored close. And, I, and I'm a big fan of Bam Rodriguez, but uh, I didn't think he looked that good. Um, I got to kind of borrow what a Twitter guy said the next day, um, because I think I always have said even before that it's very important these lower weight divisions, but I think the guy's right. I mean, you know, when you think he's at 115 pounds where that speed and quickness really matters, and you always have that when you're younger – um, he wasn't fight, you know. He wasn't fighting a guy in his 30s. You know, he was fighting a 25 year old guy, and and I think that analysis is probably correct. Is that see, it's kind of funny because even though Chocolatito has beaten Gonzalez and Chocolatito's older, still Gonzalez only 25. There's different attributes, and Bam had trouble. It doesn't change my feeling that, you know, Bam will take Chocolatito and Estrada at the ages those guys are at. But it does kind of show you that around his weight, who are still in their prime years, you know, their 20s, for, especially for those lower weight divisions where you need that speed and quickness and volume, um, he might have some trouble. So, uh, you know, um, maybe his camp behind the scenes is going to say that maybe we might want to finish off all these older guys before we, uh, we fight another younger guy like that. Matter of fact, I would be willing to guess that's probably what's going to happen because I think he's proved he's gotten a, a big edge in his attributes over those guys who are old for 115 pounds, even if they're still good. Um, but he, he struggled with a guy uh, who's not over the hill age wise. Uh, or, or past their best for that division. So doesn't mean Gonzalez has the quality of skill of Chocolatito or, you know, Estrada, but it's still worth noting, I think, that, you know, a guy who's not on the wrong side of the hill, Bam, did struggle with. I mean, yeah, he's been active and stuff, but I think it, I think that's probably the right take on it. I think he, he was fighting a younger guy, and, and he had to work for it. So like you were saying, as I heard before I came on, I mean, you know, maybe that benefits him some 
probably even a reminder for the camp that, you know, we fight a young prime guy, we, we might be getting a different look. But I would think behind the scenes, you know, Robert Garcia and, and Bam get together and say, yeah, that Chocolatito path is looking pretty good, the Strata path at the stage those guys are at in their career. Let's let's get back on that, finish that, then then see where we're at from there. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm still high on BAM. It didn't make me get down on him or anything like that. I'm not going to overrate it. But I, I do think he had some trouble here, and it showed fighting a fighter closer to his prime that uh, it was, was much more difficult for him. But, you know, I think he's still on track. I'm not going to get down on him or anything like that. Um, the Ammo Williams fight in Conway. Um, Ammo has kind of been funny for me. Like when I first saw him early on, I didn't like him that much. Then he grew on me, and uh, coming into this fight, I was really starting to like him. Made me look forward to this fight. Uh, I thought Conway gave a game effort, but I do think that the DAZN crew got silly with their commentary. You know, he's only got what four KOs in all his fights, and and w- when they. St- when you have something like that, they start talking about he's really got power you don't know about. That stuff drives me crazy. No, no, he does not. <laughs> he does not have power we don't know about. And that's why he's not much of a threat here, even though he, he looks reasonably skillful. And that's the way the fight played out. You know, Ammo was just able to keep walking and bombing away. But what I didn't like about and Ammo almost stopped him in the ninth. I thought he would stop him. He almost did. Close enough, too, but didn't quite get him out or he had him busted up, but I look for this a lot of younger fighters. This is really always telling to me, probably an underrated thing when you're evaluating uh, prospects or prospects about to become contenders, because you can have it at any speed level too, is, is just plain old punch accuracy, especially for somebody that's got power. I didn't see that um, from ammo Saturday night. That, that really disappointed me. You know, I, I saw a lot of like wild swings and misses. Um, I just, you know, he would get some in here and there. Obviously, he had him busted up and he almost stopped him in the ninth. But so that was in the ninth. Like, you know, through the course of that fight, I just, I did not like Ammo's accuracy. And, and that's something the real top prospects who are going to be the top elite fighters and contenders usually you see that accuracy i mean you know they 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 start landing the power shots but you see them pinpoint you know they're really on target and um you know overwhelm the opposition i didn't see that um so i am gonna i am giving ammo just even though he got the job done i am giving him a slight downgrade on his performance um I go back and forth on him. I was getting high on him, but I, I didn't like the, I didn't like the accuracy. Um, so that, uh, that was a, that was a bit of a dis- disappointment for me there. Sure. Um, okay. So, you know, we, we talked about for quite a while on and off. We'd have these little segments where we talk about the importance for the zone and really DAZN Matchroom USA, DAZN uh, in other places, Japan, Italy, the UK, um, especially Japan and Italy, they, they do have some big soccer rights football, like they would say over there. Um, so they have legit stuff, you know, when it comes to that. Whereas here, it's been made, you know, basically boxing. They had that whip around show for MLB that they paid like 100 mil for 
but that's long gone. And um, the whole point is, it's like we're 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 not talking about Disona as a whole. Um, we're talking about as far as pertaining here, and um, you know, we've heard from the higher ups that the investment beyond Canelo um, is is not really here. Uh, they have moved towards other for obvious reasons. Like I said, they already have some rights that are really, really good. So I, I get that. Um, but we talked about how important this was. Already, you know, rolled out the red carpet, and I think it was Eddie Hearn that had that big Gucci bag saying it's full of cash for all these fighters, and they were gonna, you know, I remember him saying, you know, if, if you want to fight a middleweight champion. And be the best middleweight, you're going to have to be on the zone. And they made a big push, you know, marketing-wise, of course, as far as pay-per-views then. Well, you know, I didn't necessarily 100% believe that they would never do a pay-per-view then. They, on the low, started doing pay-per-views uh, for non-subscribers, like the traditional way. It would be available. A lot of people didn't realize that. They actually, for the last two, uh, two or three, uh, Ryan Garcia fight, you can technically buy it that way um, if you're not interested in, in being a, a sub for the zone. So they they had already kind of got into that market a little bit on the low, but you know if you're a subscriber, you got the fights you know for your your monthly fee. As I mean, especially after that, you know the the Canelo, they got outbid for Canelo versus Caleb Plant, and they went back and said, all right, let's, let, let's, we got to really put up the money and, and, you know, and they got Bivol and Golovkin and they put it together and all that stuff. It is what it is, but wasn't the smartest move. You know, we give a lot of credit for Canelo going up to 175 and fighting Bivol, a tough style for him. I give him a, a lot of credit for doing that, that he didn't have to do that. Um, we, we both kind of thought he probably shouldn't. If you're going to fight at 68, stay at 68. Bivol's going to be there for the next few years. Go up to 75 and just be there instead of bouncing back and forth. But it, it's awesome. It was a risk. You know, it didn't work out for him, but oh well. Um, but we thought, okay, they got the marquee fighter. They got the marquee B-side. They have a track record of large gates. By the way, this thing, uh, according to Eddie Hearn, he said $22 million gate. So it's just short of the 23 of the rematch. So that if, in fact, even – even if it is 20, whatever, I don't really, I don't know the gate for sure, but if it was 22 or 20, that's a huge, huge gate, humongous gate. We, you know, that's a top 10 gate of all time. Exactly. But beyond that, um, what really comes, you know, like the level of importance is the pay-per-view numbers, especially when you are charging $85 and whatnot. Um, so we did get, you know, the reports from Dan Raphael, Somebody else, and Lance Pugmire also um, weighed in on the subject, and he based, they all say basically, you know, it's, it's, it's less than 600000 So 575 with an outside chance to get to 600 Lance said 575 with a chance to get to 600 Regardless, let's say it goes over 600 just for shits and giggles, 610, 620. You know, that's obviously, as far as the people putting up the money, it's a disappointment. Major, major disappointment. There's just really no way that they broke even on that, given the fact that they were saying it was going to do 
anywhere from 800,000 to over a million. Eddie Hearn said that, um, you know, I don't know the exact break even, but whether it was 60 million, 70 million, 75, whatever the purses were just for those two, that's a lot. And especially when, you know, going over, well, we're going to go over the, you know, the prices were, were, was 80, basically 85 bucks. If you just wanted to go to your, your satellite or cable operator, it was going to cost you 70 or 85 bucks. The, the rematch was, um, if you were a current subscriber, as we know, it was $65, right? Now you could, the funky thing is like, like for Showtime, the Showtime app, I don't need the Showtime app to buy the pay-per-view there. We talked about this with the ESPN Plus as well and how that has dragged down. They thought it would, but uh, ESPN's basically paying more to the UFC for dragging down their pay-per-view numbers because you have to be a subscriber. So to get that $20 discount, you have to pay $25 to get it. You know, So it's kind of like, well, you're still paying 85 at that point if you're a new subscriber. But the point is it was uh, – it's a that those whether it is over six hundred thousand. Let's just let's just say in theory, say it was six ten, six twenty. That's a big big drop. And when you have, you know, Caleb Plant as the B side, who did get some Fox exposure. Um, not that he was crazy active, but he, he did get a, a fair amount of Fox exposure, which we went over as well. And, you know, not a lot of people were thinking the gate would do that. If you look at, you know, fights against Jacobs and Kovalev and some other fights, they were right in that, you know, $8 million range, and that jumped up to like $18 million. So that was big. But that's a major, major disappointment for that. Just looking at it from a business perspective, we've already gone over the ring stuff. Outside of the ring, that's a, that's a big failure. And you wonder, moving forward, not just – they're not going to make any money off. They're not going to make their money back, but Canelo isn't going to get any back-end money either. Not, I mean, he got a lot of front-end money, but I think the break-even for Plant and him were, was like 550 and we saw it go to 800000 So he, he probably got some back-end money at that point. And so you just wonder what this means, right? So we have these reports, and then you started to see Eddie Hearn kind of push back. You know, of course – the promoter's going to push back, and, and they put out this press release, John, and I'll let you take over here in a second. They put out this press release, and it was very misleading. I mean, it's like, come again? What it, what, what exactly did you say? Um, and I'll go over the prices. Countries, it wasn't pay-per-view technically, but um, it was in a chunk of them, right? Um, but – so the press release says a million pay-per-view buys worldwide, and they bring up subscriptions. So it's a really vague statement. They 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 talk about um, you know how many like the increase on social media and TikTok, and then like the downloaded apps, the number one downloaded apps, and all that stuff. Which that makes sense that people are going back to it or going. Or, you know, for the first time that they do really good in that. But the, the meaty part of this is a million buys worldwide, which in boxing, when we hear a report over here, we mean the United States. That's what we mean. That's what it's always been. And uh, not to say, oh, and I know that's going to come across as like an arrogant American, oh, oh the world doesn't revolve around you. Well, when you're charging $85 a pop, 
in this sense, that's the biggest revenue gain here, obviously. I mean, go look at the stadium fights. They don't do $22 million in game. It's not a rivalry. It's not a just to be a dick. This is just fact, okay? But when they put out a pay-per-view re- press release saying a million buys worldwide for pay-per-view buys and subscriptions, that lends itself to be so vague that they mean whoever signed up. So in the countries where the pay-per-view wasn't available, it was just or not available, but they didn't charge it. It was just for a subscription. You could pay, and, and it's 25 here if you just want to do a month now. If you do the annually, it comes out to be like 12.50 or something like that. But you know, in other places, it's like five bucks and ten bucks, somewhere in that range. I think it's like two or three bucks to ten dollars. I know it opened up really cheap, and then I think it's I think it's eight or ten dollars somewhere in there in the UK now, something like that. Their their pay per views are obviously lower than ours, whatever. But to add subs in your pay per views, and then Eddie's saying, well, your number Dan is really low. It's too low because do you really think that you know four hundred thousand buys came from the rest of the world? But in their press release, they say subscriptions. So that's basically telling us new subscribers that paid that 20 bucks, they're counting that as pay-per-view. So it even makes it more vague. And if you really wanted to put like a stop to any kind of, hey, that number was really low, just give us the, the, the estimated numbers right now then. Why don't you just say, no, it did 800,000 and we're still counting. Why don't you just say that then? If you're going to put out a press release, so that, that stands out to me. And then also, they didn't put revenue behind it. In, in most reports that do big pay-per-views, because a million worldwide is still big, right? They would put the revenue, the guesstimated, estimated revenue behind it. But the fact that they didn't do that lends itself to me believing that those reports are probably pretty close because they didn't put the the end revenue every time you see oh this did 1.7 or this or that did you know 550 for a grand total of about this estimated money and they know when they if they put out the total revenue then we can start to break down okay so what's that mean as far as how many of them were subs and how many were pay-per-view buys real quick let's go through the list real quick so here in the u.s it was 85 bucks 20 bucks cheaper in Canada say oh actually damn in Canada for new subscribers uh, it was 90 compared to 70 UK Ireland Northern Ireland I want to say too was uh, basically what would equate to about 10 bucks but you know if you had if you were sub in 1798 Australia is 50 bucks uh, for current subs in, in about 60, 58, 98. For new subs, New Zealand was 30, uh, was 24.99, or you know, for, for for being a sub, almost 40 bucks for new subscribers. So you're looking at Canada, U.S. Uh, let's just say the U.K., Northern Ireland. I want to put in there, of course, uh, New Zealand, Australia, but places like say Germany, which actually has gotten decent. Uh, like more than decent uh, boxing viewerships. I remember Vlad and a couple of other guys coming out of there, they would put them on what we'd say is linear TV, and they would get major audience. So that would be a place. Italy, there'd be other places too. But it's such a vague thing to put out 
that if you're going to try to stop the bleeding as far as PR, John, why didn't you just give us a vague estimate of what it did in the States then? Yeah, I, I was laughing because when you talked about the, the zone press release being misleading and I, I was looking at it too, it reminded me of my day job because I have a significant case I'm working on and, you know, lawyers, again, you're, you're human beings too, but you're, you're supposed to have some duty of candor to the court. And I've been going through, on the significant case. I've been reading the defendant's briefs and they're basically like the DAZN press release. You know, you're just going through it. And you're like, that's not, that's not true. That's misleading. That's completely misleading. That's, that's not what happened. You know, that's not what anybody testified to. And, and sorting through it like that, and, and it, it did remind me of that, because when when Raphael made his report, you know, I don't always, you know, especially when there's no name sourced, I don't take it overly seriously. Yet, on my own gut, the number made sense. In fact, I would the the opposite of what Hearn's saying. I, I would actually think it was probably pretty generous to the zone. You know, you and I were talking about the plant uh, Canelo number and, you know, we've documented how, you know, and a lot of people still don't get this, you know, when plant gets that exposure, you know, even though Canelo is still even now the biggest name in boxing, it matters who you're in with, you know, for how big that event's going to be. And, and plants gotten that exposure. A lot of people don't get that. They think just because Canelo's in the fight, it doesn't matter who else he's fighting. Well, even though Canelo's the big name, it still matters who he's fighting. You know, why I believe the Raphael number two, and I think it was kind of generous, is remember when we were even getting more credible pay-per-view numbers when the traditional providers were more willing to provide them when they didn't have the streaming competition, you know, you had Canelo, Liam Smith, was getting reported, if I recall correctly, numbers of like 350,000. Um, you know, Amir Khan, more than that, but not that much. You know, maybe in the 500,000 ish range. This is all off the top of my head. I'm not Googling. Um, so those were when, you know, you had bigger promotion even behind Kinelo for those, which were not as big as his other showings. Um, so, you know, yeah, Golovkin had built a, a, a good HBO name for himself. We documented that last week in terms of um, even though he didn't have like the kind of network, he never had like the network type exposure of like a plant, but with HBO with 40 million subscribers, at the end when HBO in general was fading, you know, Golovkin was getting over a million viewers. Pretty good compared to everybody else at that time, but he did also prove in the Lemieux, he couldn't carry a pay-per-view. So he, he brings something to the table uh, with Canelo, but, but he doesn't bring a ton. Um, but he brings more than some others. But So, you know, zone has no way of doing the marketing. We went over all this. They've got to do time buys to market, time who can use CBS. You know, ESPN can use ABC. That type of stuff matters tremendously. You know, Fox course can fox pay-per-view can use fox uh the zone doesn't have any of that when they get when they, when they want to do that they got to buy they got to go into their pocket more and buy um 
all reports are their U.S. subscribership at this point is low. Nobody with an ounce of credibility at this stage going into this was willing to claim they had a million U.S. subscribers. Um, so, you know, again, Showtime's got, what, 23 million or whatever, traditional cable, uh, HBO, 40 million. So, you know, that's a massive, massive disadvantage. People that don't understand TV and broadcasting and streaming, they don't get that stuff. Um, that's part of why they don't understand it. So, uh, you know, if anything, the Raphael number is probably generous. You know, I think you and I were talking in theory that for DAZN with the kind of money they were laying out to, you know, it was a long shot for them, but for that this to be like a successful event for them, they were probably going to have to hit like an 850 type thousand number in the U.S. Didn't mean they would lose still, but kind of had to get into that range. But, you know, when I was really thinking about it with their low subscribership, having to pay their own marketing, how how really were they going to hit that? So you know, here, here's what – look, Eddie Hearn knows how to promote. I, I've always been the first to say that when talking about fighters and things, upcoming fights, even on his own uh, – shows he, he's very good at that he, he almost is like a it's an infomercial type of thing but he's kind of a good broadcaster that way so i give him credit for yeah that no doubt about that ability. i mean i i think really you know on that part he's a great of the game, interview too great interview right like exactly he does give in us that a lot part of information the, to chew on yeah that's what i mean like in that part of the game you could argue he's the best i mean like i'd even say that like just in that element of the game there's other elements of the promotional game but in that element of the promotional game he's arguably the best in boxing so you know you can disagree with that but i think you can make an argument for him so i'm even giving him that say so he knows what he's doing but i i can throw in here and look i'm an american i kind of know the kind of know the market here too i've been following this game for a long time I think you made a good point about the way Hearn was a little overly defensive. I think that's where he's being a little insecure about his U.S. presence. Like, I think he could have said really fully understanding things. Like, he could have said, hey, look, you know, I'm I'm promoting this on the zone. You know, they own 40% of Matchroom USA. You know, we're under a million subscribers. You know, even if they want to fudge that a little bit, like I said, no, nobody's going to claim that they're over a million. So saying something like that and saying, like, you know, we got to buy our own marketing, um, you know, we don't have a network behind us like that, a traditional network, considering all of that, hey, 575's not all that bad. You know, Wilder, what Wilder Fury 3, they estimated, did like 510 or something like that. And that was a great fight. And look, the way things have gotten in the U.S., things have changed. I looked at that as, okay, not not too bad coming out of a pandemic and everything, um, the third matchup for him. Like, things have just kind of changed in the boxing, unfortunately, where it's arguably getting worse and worse. So I think Hearn could have said, hey, 575 in the U.S. isn't that bad. Um, I'm at a little bit of a disadvantage here with the zone we're building. You know, uh, we're, we're, we're going to take that and move on. Instead of being all defensive and, like you correctly pointed out, you know, putting out a, a, a ridiculously misleading U.S. press release and then getting reporters who are in your pocket to, to try to pump that up and pretend that's what we're talking about. We're talking about U.S. numbers here. U.S. is where the money is generally for all these fights with a couple exceptions here and there, like if, you know, Inouye or Murata is going to fight in Japan or something, you know, maybe certain fights in the, U, the U.K., you know, in, involving Joshua or, or something like that. But that, those are the exceptions, you know. 
Um, so the U.S. is where the money is. That's why Las Vegas has been the, the fight capital for a long time. And, and I'm going to even say, you know, it's not about, you know, this is all sports. I mean, things have changed. It's about the TV money. Just look at college football. It's not about the gates. Sure, the gates is nice. Everybody wants to make money. They want to, they're want they always looking to sell jerseys, merchandise, the gates, make revenue wherever they can, concessions. But that doesn't drive it. It's, it's broadcast. It's television. Look at the U.S., how you know the NFL, college football, that that stuff's just it's just all about broadcasting. So it is what it comes down to in the modern sports world, especially because with gambling now in the US, live sports has a bigger value because you know, you want to see that result immediately. And it's, and it's got a value over scripted shows because you gotta watch it at that time. So it, it's it's crazy because because of those factors, because of you, you, it's the only thing left that people are kind of forced to watch live, and then that's added to by the spread of gambling legalized in the U.S. Of course, you've always had it in the U.K., but you haven't had it in the U.S. outside of Nevada. So that's a big factor now. Um, so in other words, not only has it been about the broadcast and TV for a long time now, in 2022, it's still more about the broadcast and TV than ever. So you and I correctly said this was big for them. It, it, you know, it was a long shot at this point with the situation they were in, and they, they didn't hit the long shot. I think that's what it looks like. If 575 is true, probably in that – not that they're not going to lose with what they're paying Canelo and Golovkin, but it's, it's probably not that bad if that's the real number when you see what everybody else is doing now, but it's just not what they need. I'm now going to kind of go in hindsight – even though business experts would say they, they should have made this money back in three years when they were doing it, you know, they kind of lost the plot. I mean, the idea of Canelo Triple G3 was the zone's going to sign both these guys, put that on the regular zone platform for subscribers, and we're going to pick up a bunch of subscribers, build from there roll with that and then try to get that money back in like three years or something like that. that that's what you know, your business textbooks always say. I think that's a hard standard, but, but they'll always claim that. Like, in other words, you know, you, you put out those kind of outlays, you want to try to get that back in like three years. Um, we know they haven't, you know, we know they haven't gotten any of that back. They're not pulling that off. They got desperate, tried the pay-per-view route. I'm almost saying, even though I know it would have been a bigger loss, you know, may, maybe maybe this should have been the last ditch of trying to get subscribers or something like that. I mean, so where does it go from here? I'm going to take a guess. Um, you know, we've seen like like you know, you and I have talked that they were overrated. I think we're right about that. But let's look back some years. Like ESPN was running a Friday night fight. It wasn't good. You know, you and I agree. People are romanticizing it now, but that was not a good series. Yet, yet, why I'm bringing that up is. You know, maybe here the zone pulls back to some of the match room British cards on Saturday afternoons and runs Golden Boy stuff, and and they they forget about the pay per view thing and, and bother keeping Canelo over there. I mean, what's the point? You know, what's the point now um, to put out that money and keep Canelo over there? Yeah, you got some sunk costs, but that's another one of those business textbook theories. Just because you've blown money and it hasn't worked doesn't mean you keep blowing it and it's gonna, it's going to help you. So, um, you know, Blavatnik's going to reach that point sooner or later. So what would I think? I would think 
I mean, like you said, Oscar's shown an unwillingness to pull guys like Ryan Garcia, Munguia off the zone, making the argument we've made the investment. And, you know, I'll say that for PBC's guys when they've gotten a network exposure. I've said it for top-ranked guys when they've gotten an ESPN exposure. Now, there's a difference because when Oscar's got his guys on the zone, the part he's forgetting is they're not getting any exposure because in the U.S. basically nobody subscribes to the zone. So it's a lot different than being on ESPN or Fox. But with that understood, I know his point, he's trying to sell to the zone. Look, you know, we're going to invest in these guys. And then, you know, when they break it open, he's thinking, you know, look, and Ryan Garcia is on a Gatorade commercial. I mean, I think Oscar is just yeah. hoping he can hit the home run he hit with Canelo through the zone. I don't think he can. I mean, I don't think he can because they don't have the exposure. It, but he's trying, and, you know, sometimes you never know. Like, I don't – I think he thinks maybe if McGee hits like but I don't think it, it will. The best shot would maybe be Ryan Garcia with that social media presence. He's on a Gatorade commercial, you know, that maybe through that, and then he's on the zone, it hits. I think those are long shots at this point. But I think maybe they just pull back to that. You know, it's almost like a Friday night fights, and then they hope Munguia, Virgil Ortiz, or uh, Ryan Garcia hit. I don't think they necessarily do, but but I think that would be all it's left to. This spending big money on Canelo fights, uh, I, I don't see that going anywhere for them. Um, I, I don't see why they would even do it, do it after this. I mean, Hearn will do it if the zone gives them the money, but – Outside of them just burning more money, I, I don't. You know where where does it go? I mean, I don't, I don't see it. I mean, is is Bivol Canelo two going to be a pay per view hit? Nah, it's not. Because even if Canelo is going to get revenge or something, it's not going to be an. It's unlikely to be an exciting fight. So um, yeah, probably it won't do what it did, and it it wasn't big anyway. It wasn't small, but it wasn't big. And right, yeah, it, it's kind of interesting, and just kind of talking about where Canelo goes next, where, you know, Golovkin goes next. He did say, this is from Keith Eidick, you know, he's going to take his time coming back from the wrist surgery that he says he's having, maybe May, maybe September. That's that's kind of what he's saying right now. He said uh, the injury he has is going to require surgery. He says that uh, he's suffering from a cartilage tear in his wrist. Now, we may – we've talked about injuries before it may be a picture of the hospital of him we won't know exactly what he has done on it per se but he said he does want to he said just fighting that four times in 11 months just tore his body up and uh, he's, he's, he's going to try to get back in may but he can't guarantee it he said that there's there's a possibility um that that it may be september and whatnot now on the flip side of that you know <clears throat> within a very short amount of time, Golovkin and Lara, you know, have that WBO expected order. So if he, if, if he wants to, you know, keep that belt at Lara within 120 days. And uh, he did also say, remember, guys, these are direct quotes from the Boxing Scene article. Remember, guys, I still have three belts at one station. Now he's, you know, he has two belts, but whatever. I'll let him say that. Golovkin noted that, you know, um, I'll come back. I'm still middleweight, you know, kind of sounding like he, he likes the middleweight division better or whatever. But uh, 
What what are your thoughts just in general? Because if he does come back to that fight, Arislandi Lara, you know that's a that's a better fight than it would have been five years ago, six seven years ago when Lara was in his prime. Because we know that he would have looked to been on the outside, moving a lot more. And we've seen him, well, not of late because the fights have there hasn't been much in the fights that he's fought. But, but as far as that back to back stuff with Jared Hurts. And Castaño in those fights, he was there to fight more. He, you know, he, he he realizes that his legs weren't where they were, and they're both kind of in that time frame right now of like, well, they're both older. Um, what do you think of that fight? And you know, it could go to an Arislandi Lara fight if he wins that. He could fight Charlo next. That could be a couple of fights he could sign with the PBC. <laughs> Yeah, I, one thing that surprised me is because, you know, he didn't look great, and fighters got the right to do what they want, but, you know, I hate to see any of them going on too long getting hurt. But with that understood, it's actually surprised me that Golovkin's been real definitive. He he wants to continue. Um, he's also said, you know, um, you know, Keith Eidick said, you know, he's, to me, one of the best reporter guys out there, old news reporter in Jersey, uh, you know, with boxing um, for the record uh, and papers in Jersey, get, but getting to the point that, you know, he's had, he, I had a, you know, Golovkin said, Hey, last fight with the zone, I'm done with the zone. And, and now after the fight, he's been, and he even saw him in the interviews, he's been very adamant. He's going to go on. Um, so there doesn't seem to be much mystery there. I always look at the alphabet stuff, you know, people buy into it, but it's just a cover for things. So, I do see the setup. I mean, I think that's the scenario that seems to be coming. While I would like to see a lineal title fight if Golovkin was going to go over to PBC with Jamal Charlo right off, I think if, you know, PBC gets Golovkin, you know, they're going to, you know, I think the Pacquiao comparison by people probably is pretty accurate. Like, you know, they, they want to get their guys to get the big money, big exposure fight with Pacquiao, but they also want to respect that Pacquiao wants to come over and, you know, a future legend. And, uh, you know, there's like a respect there. So like, you know, you remember, you know, Pacquiao fought, fought Broner, you know, before he fought even Thurman over there. Um, I, I think that this does seem to be a setup like, you know, Lara is not a pushover by any means. He's too good of a fighter, even at the advanced age. Um, but that's always been an interesting matchup, and I think it's almost like PBC saying, yeah, they're they're putting the alphabet thing out there. But, you know, let's face it, Golovkin's beyond alphabet stuff now in terms of his name, and, and even Lara doesn't need it at this point. Um, it's kind of, to me, like just a, a front for, yeah, like they're almost maybe – not that Laura at this stage isn't maybe more dangerous than Broner was for Pacquiao, but uh, even at advanced stage, but it's kind of like that type of a thing. Like, Hey, Gennady, you know, come on over with us. You know, we're going to give you a, a, a solid fight that people care about, but a fight you can win. And then, like you said, then maybe we do. And that would be the legit middleweight championship, which I think is big. Golovkin's never officially had that. And neither has Jamal Charlo. I, I like it a lot. A lot of people seem to like, then that would be the big money fight after that, and that would sell very well if uh, Golovkin gets by Laura. That seems to be the carrot being dangled out there because, you know, Laura's over 40. 
Um, he's been in more entertaining fights lately. Um, it's so even though both guys are at advanced age, the fight has some potential entertainment value now. Um, it would be a good PBC debut for Golovkin. So, yeah, I, I kind of do think that's what's being dangled, you know, like maybe they'd be looking at a two, three fight deal with them or something like that. And, and, you know, maybe at this point, uh, that is more money than Golovkin's going to get anywhere else. Um, where it would be kind of a good move for Golovkin is again, you know, we're not making it all about the U S but the U S is where the money is in boxing. I mean, at least kind of like Pacquiao did when he came back, even though he had been with top rank, you know, Golovkin then in his forties would get some U S exposure, make some money ride off into the sunset. You know, he may finish out with a loss or something, but you know, it would be a late career run for him there. And what I'm kind of segueing into is the thing to me that is a little mysterious about Canelo always, it's not, the money he's made, he's obviously made the money, and I get it's about that. But, you know, he, he spends all that time in San Diego, and, and whenever you see the profiles on him now, you know, he, he's always golfing with Americans and things like that. Uh, what's, oh, and, and, you know, he speaks English. You know, he's coming out. You know, he may have before that. I think he probably did but didn't do it. You know, he's out there speaking good English. He's entertaining in English. He's pretty funny. Um, you know, he's been a great fighter. Like, I, I don't quite understand. He's 32 now, and he's had a lot of fights. I, I don't, you know, he does huge ratings in Mexico on free TV. Like, I'm, I'm not sure why in his late stages he's not more, you know, he did great numbers with Plant. You know, you know, he seemed to like that experience. Why he's not more focused on, you know, a, U, a strong U.S. profile. You know, you think – with kind of the egos these guys have, that's part of what made him great. And he spends all that time in the U.S., you know, almost all his fights are in Vegas. It's it just that part's a little bit of a head scratcher to me. It just seems to me like Canelo would want to finish out even bigger in the U.S. And it's just a little ironic to me that, you know, maybe, maybe Golovkin's going to be doing that even before Canelo does because Canelo hasn't tipped his hand, you know, he, Except for he does talk about Bivol, and, and you know, Bivol is with Naturum. Yep. So, um, you know, that's that's not going in the direction of of PBC and, and getting U.S. exposure. That's kind of a replay of just what we what we just got from him, um, which is kind of an under-the-radar U.S. type of thing, not, not as big as he could be. Because, you know, he's a guy. He's got sponsors. I mean, he could have even more. Yep. I mean, you know, he, he's a guy – who in the U.S. you know really could have more sponsors. He he could have more going on there, and it just doesn't seem to. I'm not saying it has to be a concern for him. It's it's his life and what's he what he wants to do. But just with the egos of the guys and stuff, and all the time he spends in the U.S., you, you would think that that would be bigger to him. But so far, it doesn't seem to be. So um, we'll see. But but that's the ironic part is. If Golovkin ends up doing a two or three fight PBC deal, uh, you know he'll 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 be picking up his U.S. exposure. I'm not saying he gets bigger Cadell, uh, than Cadell or as big. I don't mean that, but I just mean, you know, he'll be picking up his U.S. exposure and and can, at this stage, and Canelo won't be. So, you know that that looks like maybe that's where this stuff will go, but um, we'll see. One thing I'll say, contrarian, because nobody else is saying it, and. And it wouldn't matter if he's not with PBC, too, because he, he might be more likely to do this. I, I would say that even though he's not that tall, 
I think with Canelo's, you know, punch rate dropping, he's 32. Um, he's relied on his speed. He's always had good hand speed. You know, that, that you benefit then at that stage from moving up in weight. Like, you know, your classic example being to me, it, because it wasn't only because of the weight cut, that, you know, Roy Jones looked great, you know, boxing John Ruiz's head off at heavyweight. Right. And then he went back to light heavyweight and looked terrible and started getting his block knocked off. That's part of the reason why, because, you know, he was a speed and reflex guy. You know, he, he wasn't a he wasn't a hands high, you know, classic fundamental, fundamental. guy. I know Roy Right. Roy Jones gets a little sensitive about that now. I mean, he was a great amateur and stuff. I'm not like I'm not knocking him, but I do think, you know, hey, look, Mike Tyson had a lot of that in him, too. You know, and I remember Emmanuel Stewart correctly saying that, you know, Emmanuel Stewart to me, always boxing genius. And I remember him in print interviews saying even when Tyson was going down just a little bit that that he thought that that was going to be permanent with him because he was just kind of like an explosive force kind of guy, you know, with the, with the fast hands and the power and that, you know, it, he was going to lose some of that and it wasn't going to quite be the same. You know, there's certain guys I think are like that. And, you know, Roy Jones. Um, so just saying, I'm not saying Canelo is exactly those guys, but I think, I think people with the knee jerk thinking, ah, he should just stay at 168. I don't, I don't know about that. You know, I don't know about that. When you start, because look how good Manny Pacquiao did going up to welterweight. See, that's another example. I think that was part of that. You know, like Pacquiao was kind of a volume, power, explosive guy, you know, down when he was in the lower weights and a featherweight. And then, you know, he, he moved up and he was the exception, but still he wasn't tall. And, and look how effective he was able to remain with that style fighting at welterweight um, because he, he still had speed you know, and some explosiveness as a welterweight, as small as he was, but that he wouldn't have had that if he was still fighting as a featherweight. You know, he actually wouldn't have been as effective. So I, I'm, to me, Canelo, it's kind of getting like that. Like, you know, the, the volume's dropping. I don't, I don't know if, you know, fighting at a lower weight is going to necessarily be that good for him. He, he may want to do that, that light heavyweight thing and, you know, he wants the big ball rematch, but the, but the problem with the guys at that weight is just, like I said, I, I, I would think that he might want to get more U.S. exposure, and, and I'm not sure if he's uh, heading in that direction. So it might, well, we're going to find out, but it, it might be Golovkin getting these fights at PBC uh, with these guys and not Canelo. That would be kind of strange and ironic, but it might be where we're headed. Yeah, and um... – you know, he has said that 168 suits him better. He he used he was quoted all week um, of saying that that's not my weight class, 175. But we didn't really get to hear from him after. So the, it could be it could, it could have been that. You never know. Uh, maybe he does want to go up. I'll say this: there's not much more he needs to accomplish at 168. So he could still fight only two more times there and have the thing wrapped up, you know what I mean? So it's not like, not, I know he's undisputed. I know I'm going to get a message. He's undisputed, but we all know the number one contender is David Benavides at the weight. That's pretty basic stuff. And, and, right, and Benavides right... is a very big guy for that weight. That's what I'm thinking. So, like, you know, if everybody sure. wants him to fight Benavides, 
does he really gain that much by staying at 168 and fighting Benavidez in terms of the size issue? You know, Benavidez sure. is a very big guy for that weight and was a in, in the 200 pounds as a kid and, you know, has struggled to make yeah. that weight and everything. So, um, you know, but Benavidez will be up for that fight. So, I, I, I mean, I'd like to see it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I'm almost thinking now, like, you know, is Canelo going to do that? I, I, I don't know if he's going to do that. I mean, maybe, you know, he he might be coaxed if he, you know, if Jamal Charlo has a big win or something, and then he coaxes him up to fight him at 168 there with all those belts. Um, you know, may, maybe he does. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Maybe he, yeah. you know, maybe he does that. Year. I don't know. It might be a year before he even comes back. We'll, we'll definitely have to see. But Canelo can fight. He's earned the right. I said this at the top of the show. He's earned the right to fight whoever he wants to fight. That's just factual. It is what it is. Yeah. Uh, now, you can not pay, pay the pay-per-view or not if you don't want to. If, you, if there's an opponent that you're like, ah, John Ryder on pay-per-view, no thanks. You know, some people will say that. Some people won't. But my whole point is um, – so I give him that respect because of his resume and all that good stuff. I mean, he, he's definitely done what he had to do um, to, to, to earn, you know, no doubt about it. But the one thing I do have to be a little critical is if he's going to use the reasoning, the reason why I'm not fighting Benavidez is because he has to earn it. Like I said, he can do whatever he wants. He's, his resume is ridiculous. I mean, this guy spots so many people, so I'm not going to complain. But if his reasoning, right, is you got to earn it, then what did Yildrum, Liam Smith, Rocky Fielding, what did these guys do? You know, I mean, Yildrum, so, but on the flip side, let's not forget, and David Benavides did come out and say stuff like, hey, we're, we're, we're basically making the company look like shit right now, like or the company slash the fighters at 168. We need to fight each other. And for the record, Caleb Plant has said, you know, giving Caleb, Caleb Plant just got knocked out, took his first loss. Coming back against Darrell is a good fight. Now, after that, they should look for that fight. I mean, that's that's what Caleb Plant said he wants to do. That's what Plant should be, especially especially if he's not going to fight Benavides next to me. Then they have to make that fight. But the one thing I'll say is, you know, it does kind of ring kind of like, eh, I, okay, I'm with you, Canelo. You do what you do, and I respect it because you earned it. But if you're going to say he's got to earn it, it, it just doesn't really line up. Because who, who did Rocky Fielding beat to get the fight? Let, let's be honest. So, but at the flip side, David Benavidez, and I can understand his, his anger, his frustration, I get it. Because it is becoming tougher and tougher to get people in the ring when he doesn't even have a belt yet. He has the interim belt, you know. And, but if you want him to fight more champions, it's tough to fight champions when you have all the belts, you know. If you have all the belts, Canelo, how the hell am I supposed to fight more champions? So, but But... First and foremost, or not first and foremost, but lastly, Benavidez lost his belt on the scale. And it was the second time he lost it. He got it back. He tested uh, for an illegal substance, cocaine, 
dropped it, had to, you know, they stripped the belt, got it back, and then he messed up. He, he dropped, you know, he, it was his fault for losing weight or not losing enough weight, I should say, for losing the belt. And then Canelo snuck in there because Yildrum, a lot of people didn't know at the time, but Yildrum was in the, the WBC had a little special, hey, you'll get the winner of. And so to be fair, though, Benavides, I feel your pain, but you did drop the belt. So right now, because, you know, Canelo wasn't a big undisputed guy until he got to 168. Then he's like, I, I want to do undisputed. But if Benavides could have kept his belt and then he didn't fight him, then he'd be like, well, he doesn't want it with me. He can't be undisputed until he fights me. So he would have a lot more ground to stand on if he would have just kept his belt. You know, so I get I get what you're saying, David Benavides. I understand your frustration. I totally understand it. But don't act like you didn't have something to do with dropping your belt because you did. And Canelo, you know, fought Yildrum, got the belt, went on and fought other people. It actually, yeah, then Billy Joe Saunders, yada, yada, yada. So, um, but yeah, if, if in fact Canelo's not going to fight him next, then they should look to make that plant fight. But I'm not, you know, the only thing, another thing about Benavidez's statements were like, well, you know, we, we should have fought this time. Well, he's coming off a knockout. I, I can't sit there and hack a guy for coming off a knockout, wanting to take a solid opponent in, in Anthony Durrell and then fight Benavidez next. Now, I'll be applying the pressure because that's what Caleb Plant said. He said, I'm going to get this fight in, then I want Benavides. All right, well, we'll see if that happens. I assume it will happen, but and that's kind of been the plan. But I'm not going to all of a sudden destroy Caleb Plant for taking a solid fight after getting knocked out, taking his first loss. I'm, not, I'm just not going to do that. So we will see ultimately where all that goes. Let's get off of this topic, though. Because, yeah, I could – real quick, though, the Golovkin thing, my point is, you know, to fight Lara, Charlo needs a fight because he, he hurt his back a little bit. He needs a fight anyway. He probably doesn't want to wait till next year to fight, and then a, over a year has gone by, well over a year at that point. So if he got a fight, and, and then – and I don't know if it would be too much money to put him on the same card, uh, but he could just take a fight, maybe that same Sulecki fight, whatever – and then fight the winner, Arislandi or Golovkin, and, and that would be a big fight for next summer, maybe. You know, because he does, they do have to kind of, although they could probably figure it out, if they know that Canelo, or I'm sorry, if Golovkin and Lara are going to fight, they probably could figure it out. Maybe it could be 150 days rather than 120, whatever. Um, but that would be a nice little beat Arislandi, Lara, fight Charlo. That's a fight that stylistically is fun as hell to watch, so that would be pretty cool. And then it would give Charlo an opportunity to fight a name. And then maybe he would. Maybe then Cadell would say, all right, you fought a name. You fought another solid fighter. I'm ready to take you on. And then Benavidez, same thing. If he fought Plant, then maybe Cadell would be like, all right, dude, you earned your keep. Let's fight. But um, it is what it is. Let's get on this weekend, though. Shakur Stevenson and uh, – uh, so Stevenson – in Conceição um, on Friday on ESPN. Um, and remember, folks, that's a Friday. It's kind of cool. They actually split it up on ESPN and ESPN Plus for Friday and Saturday because, of course, we have Joe Joyce and Joseph Parker on ESPN Plus. 
Um, also keep an eye out for that DAZN card with now Maxie Hughes and Kid Callahan. Of course, the uh, main fight uh, did get, um, you know, uh, pushed back. Uh, because of an injury, but that's still an interesting fight that Hughes and Cal had. It's one of the tightest fights on paper of the weekend. But let's go to Friday night from the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey, ESPN. I'm assuming they'll have a Friday night game, a college football game, and then go to that. Uh, Stevenson and Conceição, what says you about this? Because I, I think it, it's an interesting fight. Uh, Conceição against Oscar definitely showed to have a sharp jab. He's got quick hands. Uh, a lot of times he throws that jab and follows it with the right hand to the body, sometimes to the head as well. He's got a really quick left hook. He brings the pressure. Um, he's a good fighter. I don't. I think the defense is going to be the interesting part. You know, former uh, gold medalist, I think it was the first Brazilian boxer, in fact, 2016 gold medalist. But, um, you know, John Stevenson saying that this, his mindset is this is going to be tougher style than it was against Oscar. Now, he has a reach and height, and it seems like size overall on him. But will he apply that pressure? And Because he has been in the bubble uh, in 2020. I think it was like October or November. He got two deductions for low blows. Uh, against Valdez, I think he, he got a deduction for hitting the back of the head. So will he go with the rough-up stuff? Because a lot of people are talking about, oh, he's got to reach, like he's going to sit back and box uh, Stevenson and turn Stevenson into the cup for the fighter. Well, what says you about this matchup? Because I think it's an interesting matchup to take, and it does sound like before long Stevenson will be going up to 135. But I could see this being a tougher fight overall, especially in the first, say, three to four or five rounds. Yeah, I like the fight because Stevenson's getting his homecoming in Newark. I think that's a good thing. Um, again, just in the perspective of compared to other guys today, not in past eras, but compared to other guys today, Stevenson's TV ratings have been on the ascension going up, uh, looking better and better. And I've even seen some surveys about boxers being known current being boxers being known where he's popping up high um, in the U.S. So it looks to me like the groundwork is there for for him to keep building to as close as we get nowadays to stars because boxing, you know, gets more and more marginalized. You, you know, people want to be optimistic, but you you, you got to look at the reality in the U.S. Uh, it's it's not overall an upswing. Um, so when you're talking about stars nowadays, you got to keep that in perspective. But keeping it in perspective, Stevenson seems to be one of the guys on track. He's got me watching him in that sense because he he seems to be showing the potential. Um, you know, people seem to like him too. Uh, which you know, let's face it, it just matters as you're getting, as you're getting popular. You know, if you're if if you're not totally hated or something like that, people are tuning in for you. You know, people better like you or want to watch you fight. Those types of things, and he seems to be capturing people's imagination like that. I think he probably understands that, and even though he's had some fights where he's been cautious, and he can be a little frustrating like that at times, but he's got the the talent, especially defensively, and. 
And when he opens up, he's shown he can stop some people, but it doesn't happen that often. I'm just kind of weighing this one. Compared to at 130 pounds, uh, some of the other guys he could fight, I think Kinsaysau is pretty good. I agree with that. That's where I'm kind of okay on this fight because I do like that. I mean, look, I don't, I don't care about the alphabet undisputed stuff. I care more about a lineal type thing. So, like, I'm not really worried about Stevenson picking up alphabet belts at 130 to call himself undisputed, like just quick diversion. You know, I, I don't, I don't care. You know, I don't, I don't need in a way to, to knock out Paul Butler and blow him away, you know, for him to have all alphabet belts. That doesn't matter to me. So I like what Stevenson, not really that focused on that. He's just kind of doing this as a homecoming fight. And then I'm, I'm with you. I think, he may move into the traditional 135 division of where there's more potential interesting fights right now anyway. Um, so I think that is probably where he's headed. I, I don't think he's going to really have much problems here. I don't see that kind of suspense with this fight, even though Conceição is decent. Um, did look solid against Valdez. So I, I just think Stevenson's too way too good for him. Everything Conceição can do, Stevenson can do better, and that's a bad recipe for being competitive. Only question really to me about this fight that I'm weighing back and forth is being the homecoming in Newark, and it's on ESPN, although Stevenson's been on ESPN a lot, You know, does he pick it up enough? Does he press enough maybe to try to get the impressive stoppage? I'm kind of going back and forth on that. Um, but I'm kind of leaning towards he may do that in this one because I don't see Kinsaysa being a dangerous puncher or anything like that. You know, he's a good boxer. So you're not, and you're not outboxing Shakur Stevenson. You know, this, this guy isn't either. So to me, that's like out of the question. It's just not going to happen. So he, it's going to, he's going to have trouble making it competitive with Stevenson because of that factor. And then I'm thinking with that being the case, you know, does Stevenson say before 12, this this guy really can't hurt me, so I, I'm going to flurry, and I'm going to at least just pick up the volume to maybe get a, a referee to jump in here. I'm leaning towards thinking he may do that. So most people are saying can't he can't get a knockout here. It's just not going to happen. I, I think it would be kind of a volume stoppage late. But I think he could get it. So I, I am I am leaning that way. Good homecoming fight for him. And then hopefully on to better things at lightweight, 135 pounds. And he seems to be a future star in the making. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I'm interested in that. And you reminded me that this is on a Friday. I had forgotten that. So uh, that is interesting. It's good that they're not conflicting with anything. You just hope it starts early enough in the East. I hate that, especially because the fight is in Newark. I mean, let's – Let's get that fight started at a decent hour. We know it's football season, but let's let's get that thing started on a decent hour when it can really draw some ratings. Because you're in the, you know, Newark's in the New York TV market. Um, you know, that's that's the biggest. So you wanna you, you wanna have that homecoming and really get that TV exposure there. Um, Prudential Center is a nice arena, nice new arena. So uh, everything's in place here for this to hopefully be a, a good showing in terms of viewership, building stardom, and performance by Stevenson. Um, I hate to break it to you, but I'm looking at the schedule. Oh, whoa, 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 hold on. I'm off. I'm off. Hold on. 
Okay, we got an extra half hour. So on ESPN that night, which makes sense for the New York market, by the way, Virginia and Syracuse, that game starts 6 o'clock Central. So 7 o'clock, obviously, your time. So that's about at least three hours, right? Right. Three three and some change. Matters if it's a blowout or whatever. Syracuse is a nine-point favorite. They play good in that dome. So about nine. So probably – the earliest it'll start is ten o'clock. Just, just so you know. Yeah, it, you know. That's, now I think the, the East, I don't think the the the, the you know the cold feature is not crazy though either. So I don't think it's gonna, you know what I mean. So that that plays into I, it I as well. That, that Syracuse game is kind of a decent tie-in. You know that region, yeah. East Coast like East Coast things, Northeast things. Mm-hmm. Uh, decent tie-in, but that that's one of the ones I wish they'd be creative and and they would just have. As soon as Syracuse ends, Boom. they put Stevens first, and then you know go right. to the like go to the, the ring one right when it comes on the broadcast or something. Right, that would be perfect. They won't do it, but that would be perfect to be for one of those. Yeah, yeah, and I, I got Stevenson by the decision. I do think it'll be. He'll have to think it through a little bit. I just think the defense on Conceso is just not going to hold up. Um, but I think it'll be an interesting fight. He'll make him work for it through the rounds and whatnot. But um, I can see if it is a stoppage, I can see what you're talking about, the TKO stuff. I'm going to go a unanimous decision. And then we go to the heavyweights on Saturday uh, during the afternoon, U.S. time on ESPN+. Plus. ESPN's like right in the thick of their good schedule. Obviously, we didn't get, you know, two weeks ago, we didn't get, unfortunately, that that big card that we were supposed to get on ESPN plus, but it has officially been moved. So we're good to go there. But Joe Joyce and Joseph Parker go head to head. And this kind of lines them up to try to take on Usyk or whoever beats Usyk or, or um, makes Usyk lose the belt or whatever. Uh, how do you like this one? Cause Parker is, is a pretty crafty fighter. He's a solid fighter. Definitely a good contender type top ten guy. Um, I wonder if he will try to box a little bit more here, and, and he should be able to hit the target because we know Joe Joe Joyce is not hard to hit. Uh, but ultimately, you know, Joyce seems to be going up, even though he is older. <laughs> seems to be going up that that heavyweight uh, climb, you know, up the division, and, and Joseph Parker kind of on the decline a little bit. How do you see this one playing out? Because I think it's. You know, they had to move him pretty fast, obviously, like I said, Joe Joyce, because of the age. But, you know, considering this is, what, his 15th fight or something like that, this is a solid fight, you know, beyond, uh, you know, any kind of uh, interim belt or, or, or whatever it's going to be. A, you know, I know he's I, – I guess what I like about it is he could have taken a really soft touch just waiting for the mandatory to, to come – forward you know but he but he but he took on a, a good you know a good matchup what, what do you think about this fight and it is going to be on espn plus so it got picked up yeah i, I like this fight a lot because it's got a lot of throwback feel to me because you're right even with the alphabet mandatory nonsense like joyce is fighting another legit top 10 contender and this is the way it did used to be more and we we need to try to get back to like legit top 10 guys and this is a traditional division the glamour division and yeah it's a uk fight but it's two legit top 10 contenders on in the u.s in the afternoon that's really a throwback 
Only thing for me, picky in the U.S., like it's good that it's not pay-per-view. It's heavyweights, legit top ten. Joyce has been very entertaining. Um, I would like to see this have fit into ESPN somewhere. Uh, I think that would be good for boxing. And, you know, people like the heavyweights, you know, good heavyweight fight. That is the type of thing. I always reference that. But that's the type of thing, a casual, you know, we really have no boxing casual left, but a potential future boxing casual fan could come across, you know, flipping channels or waiting for a college game or something and, and, and you know, talk about that and, and stay, watch it. It's that, uh, Joyce has been very entertaining. Uh, it's crazy. He's 36, but he fights like a 46-year-old George Foreman, um, and and he looks like he looks like 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 fighting in that style and everything, which is using to me. It always ends up being. And then his face looks like he's 20 something. He's got a baby face. Right, right. It's not that he looks old, but and he, and he's huge. But he, he, he just the way he fights, he totally reminds you of that old George Foreman. And then Parker, I think people in a sense overrate him a little in that. Parker's already just what Parker is. Believe it or not, I don't think he's yeah. declining. He came up relatively young for a he, you know the heavyweights nowadays, and I think he's going to be around for a while. He hasn't really gotten beat up. Pretty tough fight with White, but uh, generally hasn't gotten beat up or anything. He's he's pretty cautious in there. Uh, like in other words, I think Parker is what he is, which is what he is now. We've seen this for a long time, and we. We actually might see it for another 10 years. I've always said that about Parker. I'm going to keep saying it. I said, this is a guy that's going to be kind of hanging around the bottom half of the top 10 for 15 years, not getting really beat up bad or anything, but not really beating the guys at the top. And I still see that. Like, I see some fans taking this spin. Well, Parker's with Andy Lee, and he's making improvements, and and he's really going to live up to this potential we've always seen. I, I don't think that's coming with Parker. Saturday against Joyce or any future fight. He is what he is. He's an okay boxer, you know, for a heavyweight. He's got okay power, all that kind of stuff, you know, okay chin. You know, he's just good enough to be top 10 and stay there, but he's not good enough to be the top guy or or beat the real lineal top guy. And I think that's where he stays until he really does finally just start declining. But I think that might be a while from now. Um, I, I... favorite choice in this fight even though he's 36 i mean look even though he's come up late and looked good in his own unique style um nobody beats father time not even joe joyce so at 36 i mean it's got to move like you know even with how little fights he's had i mean he, he could start declining it's just not out of the question so i think He's good enough to get by in this one. What I like about Joyce in this one is I I think he can win the fight in two ways. I agree he's easy to hit, but still, he he does know how to box, even though he's slow. You know, he's an Olympic silver medalist. Um, I think he can win this fight two ways. I think if he just wants to jab with Parker, Parker likes to be cautious and jab. Uh, He's content to do that and not push. That is Joe Parker. But I don't think he can beat Joyce doing that like some people do. I think Joyce can out-jab him. So I think if Joyce wants to choose to make this a little more less entertaining of his normal style um, and and play in the Parker's game, I actually think he can still win. I, I think he can out-jab him. I actually think he is the better boxer, even though he's not quick. So I think – and, you know, he's bigger than Joyce. I think – and, you know, you saw Joyce choose to – open the Dubois fight 
that way, and, and he was very effective doing it. Um, I think he can do that to Parker. I mean, Parker's quicker than Dubois, but, uh, you know, Dubois is a better puncher. Dubois has his own, you know, good offense. And, and, you know, Joyce was able to just out jab him until he busted him up and stopped him. I think he can do that to Parker. I, I think he might do that. But I also think if he swarms Parker, he's going to get hit. That's always entertaining. But Parker's not active enough to me that, that even though Parker has some pop, he's not a guy you can just walk in and ignore. He's got power, but he's just not active enough. And I, and I just think if Joyce does choose to do his swarming style and press him, uh, I think Joyce outland him before Parker could get him out of there and, and Parker would work rate wouldn't be enough and, and Joyce would, uh, you know, end up decisioning him or, or stopping him. So I just, I don't really see the path for Joe Parker to win this, except for the fact that it's heavyweights and Joyce can be hit. I mean, I guess if he, you know, even though Joyce has shown a yeah. great chin so far, I mean, you know, anybody, let's face it, we know at heavyweight, I mean, you know, heavyweight's different. I mean, even when you got a great chin at heavyweight, I mean, you, you can you can get caught. You know, you can get dropped. I mean, you know, Ali got dropped. I mean, you know, you get, you know, great, arguably greatest heavyweight chin of all time. I mean, you know, you're gonna you're gonna get dropped sometime. I mean, so uh, you know, Joyce he takes shots. He's 36. I mean, could Parker drop him? Yeah, I just don't think that's the likely scenario here. I think that Joyce. If he wants to make it an easier, less contact night, I think he stays back and jabs Parker a while. It's maybe more boring than we think, and he out-jabs him and maybe looks to stop him late or get the decision. Or he does his normal thing, and I just don't think Parker keeps up with him. That's a, that's a weakness for Parker. You know, we, we've seen Parker with those inactive spurts, not throwing power punches. I don't frankly see anything from Andy Lee changing that. Uh I mean, I like Andy Lee, but I don't even like what he's told him in the corner because, you know, Andy Lee was a guy that learned under Emmanuel Stewart. But to me, I hear him telling Parker things that I just, you know, you've heard Manny Stewart in those corner, famous corner speeches over the years and stuff. And he always liked his fighters aggressive, you know, saying fans want knockouts and stuff. I haven't heard anything like that from Andy Lee to Joe Parker. I've heard box and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, same old, same old for Parker. Uh, so I, I don't buy the Andy Lee's done anything with him, but that's making a difference. Um, I don't see it. I didn't see it against Chisora for sure. I mean, he didn't even stop Chisora in two fights. You know, I mean, at this stage of Chisora's career, I mean, maybe a fan favorite, but I mean, come on, you know, um, I don't. So I, I, I'm going with Joyce in this one. I, I, I don't know. What, what do you think, Chris? Yeah, I am too, and I liked how you put that. I think it could turn into a jab fest by a thousand jabs or whatever. Or, you know, maybe it'll right. start out like that. He may start to bring in the power shots, and maybe he will hit uh, Parker with something. And then he does try to walk him down and walk through punches and and kind of, you know, make Parker, you know, uncomfortable and then try to go for the stoppage. It just makes it a, a funner fight or whatever. But I, I'm with you. I think the first part of the fight will be a jab fest. And I, I think you pointed out, I think it's very underrated. Joyce does have a really good jab. And like you said, he's got a good chin. Um, definitely gets hit a lot. But maybe, you know, in a year or two, he won't be so baby-faced looking. But, yeah, I, I do. I, I, I see it kind of playing out like that. I just hope that by the second half of the fight that Joyce does – uh, isn't, you know, just jabbing 
you know, at range that he is trying to push the pace. And um, you got to take your time. You got to set it up. But I, I do kind of think in the second half we'll start to see a more aggressive choice, trying to really put it on him, not going forward and trapping him on the ropes left and right. I think he'd have to hurt him to get him trapped consistently on the ropes or whatever. But, uh, um, yeah, Parker, it's funny because Parker used to kind of, like early on, even that Andy Ruiz fight, he used to like throw a bunch more combos, but it'd be just in, in, in 20 second spurts and then he'd get tired. And then he kind of go back to jabbing or, you know, jab, hold, jab, hold. And then he'd go off for a little bit and get that crowd all pumped up over there. And then, he, you know, and that's kind of how that, that fight played out. So I could see, you know, Parker is a game guy. You're right, though. He is limited. He is just that, 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 you know, bottom half of the top 10 quality fighter, but, yeah, I, I I don't really see the the path uh, to victory uh, as well, and and I am thinking that Joyce uh, will get the job done convincingly. Any other fights or, or news items that you want to talk about here, John? Yeah, just real briefly, I'd say finishing up the Joe Joyce thing. You credit when credits due. He's developed into one of the guys I like watching fight the most because of the bizarre style. I mean, the old George Foreman. But then he can, yeah. which old George Foreman could do too, when he wanted to, you know, pull back behind that jack hammer jab. I don't know the guy. The guy's enter, the guy's entertaining. He's unique. He's entertaining to watch fight. I, I've really come to look forward to watching him fight. So, got to give props to Joyce there. The other thing on my horizon, just talk about real briefly before I go, is, uh, you know, I've talked about it a little bit, and, and the, the, debating the Canelo pay-per-view numbers reminds me of it like it's late in his career um he's definitely going to be past his best i don't have any doubt about that at this point um but with all that understood there even is kind of a good buzz i wish it was a better fight but i'm kind of curious you know has deontay wilder like as as far as you can go nowadays you know with boxing not being what it was in the u.s you know has he kind of like broken through as far as somebody can nowadays in the U S and boxing, like, will we see that maybe in this pay-per-view? I'm not saying, I'm not going to predict it, but I do think there's a chance. If it was somebody a little better than Hellenius, I think we might see that, but I'm wondering if he, even if like with Hellenius, that Wilder's kind of like arrived, like this is going to be an event. I mean, this is just anecdotal, but talking in the U.S., like, I'm kind of like, I talked to, like, people kind of know who he is, like, like you know, you don't really have the casuals anymore, but, like, like if I mentioned Deontay Wilder, like, people know who the guy is, you know, I mean, in the U.S., this is what we've come down to, so, like, you know, they kind of know who he is, for, again, for this era, those last two Fury fights were solid on pay-per-view, um, you know, he's gotten a lot of exposure, network interviews, promoing these fights, you know, early days of PBC, even being on NBC, things like that. You know, Showtime exposure, which is still okay because he had 22 million, expo- you know, subscribers. Um, I'm wondering if maybe just, you know, there's just a little bit of buzz and, and that does all right, you know, gets promoted during football season. And, you know, if he can pull out the win that we're at the point where in late career we've kind of got a wilder stardom turn. Um, that's kind of what I'm waiting for in, in three weeks or so. I'm just a little curious on the marketing part of that as well as, you know, 
even his detractors have reluctantly reached, reached a point where they say, hey, I want to see Wilder fight because I know something entertaining is going to happen. So right. you know, you've got that, and, and you've got an interesting undercard fight in Plant Durrell, uh, guys who have also got exposure, and that matters. So I'm just a little curious uh, from a U.S. perspective. It's late in the career. He's passed his best, but are, are we going to kind of see maybe a little of a wilder stardom turn here at the end if he can uh, get by Hellenius? Yeah, it's it's interesting. And, you know, I think that Ruiz fight could do numbers. Um, you know, Usyk is uh, kind of worried that, sounds like anyway, that is kind of worried that Fury's going to fight in December and not be ready for the March fight or something like that. Because he even talked about, hey, you know, I'll, uh, actually the quote is here, I want to fight Wilder next. Wilder's a dangerous fighter, and that fight would most likely be in the United States. Um, you know, I, I know that he said he, and he's going to be there. Yeah, yep. I, I he said he was going to go there because it is like, wow, okay. Which, so I don't know if he's playing hardball with Fury or yeah, I don't know if he's playing hardball with Fury or not, or if he wants to make sure Fury's serious about this 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 fight uh, in March for all the titles undisputed. That sounds like it would be in Saudi. So yeah, that would be interesting and. and Speaking of a style matchup in opposite, you know, that that would be a different style matchup right there. So, um, yeah, I mean, that would be that would be something I, between Usyk, even Joe Joyce. I mean, you can't tell me that some UK folks wouldn't come over here in Vegas if Joe Joyce fought Wilder, if he, you know, if they both win. I mean, oh, that yeah. gate would do exactly. a good number. That would that would be entertaining for me, but yeah, but that's a, the big that's the big surprise turn to me is Usyk's going to be at Wilder Hellenius, so PBC's obviously having him there. Totally caught me off guard. Big, you say you're yeah. the horrible, but interesting. But you know, this is thing again. It's not trying to be the arrogant American thing, but it's just where the money is. And you, you know, you do have. Let's face it, it's just true. You have people from other countries. They say, you know, like, hey, look, I didn't feel like. I really made it as big as I wanted to right. until I made it. Until in the you, yeah. you know, Usyk's right. had some fights here that didn't go over that big. They tried them. Look, boxers, you know, like, like a lot of people who are very good in things, I mean, they've got egos. So, like, you know, maybe Usyk, he just made a ton of money. He beat Joshua again, but it was in Saudi Arabia. That's not your big crowd atmosphere or anything like that. Um, right. You know, maybe he's like, Maybe he's like, hey, you know, before I'm done, he, he's even talking. About, he might not have many fights left. Don't blame the guy. Right. Uh, you know, maybe yeah, he's exactly. saying, hey, you know, I, I'd I'd like to because he did, like you said, he said too, you know, maybe it's Wilder and it's in the U.S. You know, maybe in the back of his mind, he's saying before I'm done, I'd like to have a big U.S. star turn myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, could be. That'd be interesting. I mean, the heavyweight division is now going to start to kind of get back going now, you know, and it kind of got going with that uh, Joshua Usyk fight because we had a, you know, we had a little gap there. Well, we had kind of popped off to close the year, obviously, with that great trilogy fight. And then at the beginning of the year, we had some heavyweight fights and we've had, you know, here and there. But, yeah, it does look like they are within from August to 
March, basically, there could be some pretty big fights. And, and who knows if we're actually going to get that, you know, Fury-Joshua fight. That'd be a huge fight. So, yeah, let's hope. But uh, appreciate you calling in, John. Enjoy the fights this week, and we'll be back next week. Okay, Chris, thanks for having me. Great talking to you, as always. All right, take it easy. Take care. All right, just um, just another reminder about that fight, uh, Shakur Stevenson fight, okay? That is on Friday. After the football game, I can already see on Twitter, only boxing has to wait for a game to be done, you know, <laughs> even though that's that's not true. Uh, but if you want to be on the big platform, dude, there there are other things on that platform. So if that thing goes a couple OTs, they're gonna they're gonna probably go ESPN two, or they're probably gonna go ESPNU or ESPN News or something like that. So just 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 bear with them, see what happens. Um, but no, I do think Conceso uh, is gonna you know he's got like I said he's got quick hands. I'm not trying to say he's got Stevenson you know speed, but those a nice jab, really nice jab that he'll work a couple different ways. He likes to throw that left hook. Right hand to the head, sure, but he could put it to the body. I think it's going to be a good fight for a little bit. Um, I'm also looking forward to that Maxi Hughes and uh, and uh, Kid Gallahan fight. I favor Gallahan, but that's like I said on paper. That is a that's a let's see. So they have Maxi Hughes as anywhere from a plus. 160 all the way up to like a plus 180 so that that which is not even a two to one underdog so that that's that's good the tightest match is that joe joyce joseph parker you can get parker if you believe in parker you may want to lay a little something down a little skrilla plus 150 all the way up to one 162 plus 162 at bet three six five something to think about there um serrano amanda serrano is action in action i almost forgot against uh, sarah manfound manfound i think it is a unit i think is that undisputed or unification that's going to be interesting uh hannah rankin and terry harper uh harper's the favorite in there but that could be a really competitive fight there's a lot of fights here, man. Um, uh, Henry LeBron uh, actually takes on Andy Venice. What is it, Venice? Um, he's a three plus three hundo and up underdog. Of course, Keyshawn Davis is on the undercard. Uh, I think Floyd Diaz is on the undercard. Ja Tucker, uh, Bruce Carrington has a fight this weekend. So, um, you know. Hopefully they don't go too deep, like he said with the, with the card. But there's not a. When I look at it, yeah, there really isn't. Uh, they probably won't be fights that last a long time. I mean, uh, Keyshawn's in an eight rounder, but he, he can get a stoppage. Carrington's only in a six rounder. Uh, so I don't know if they just go to Keyshawn for that eight rounder and then go right to the main event, or how long, you know, how much how much they got to fill up the the, the time. Off. They gotta have a two-hour slot or whatever. Not totally sure about that. Um, now, of course, I got some. Uh, even though I mentioned Benavidez and what he said, 
I got some. Oh, you're ducking. You're 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 you know you you're, you're just a PBC fanboy. It's funny because I was literally about to read what he said, and then I'm about to go to a Gervonta Davis story about a court case. I haven't seen many people reporting on this Gervonta thing. Anyway, he said, I feel like the company, PBC, we're making each other look fucking stupid because nobody's fighting each other and everybody wants to take a fucking tune-up. This and that, Kayla Plant. And this is where he talks about Kayla Plant. Um, and he's talking about the super middleweight division. He says, Kayla Plant is talking all that shit, saying they're, they're calling me out, but they already knew I had a fight signed with Darrell. That's fucking bullshit. When I fought May 21st, he didn't have uh, he didn't have no fight lined up. I told him I wanted to fight. We could have made the fight happen. So what is he saying? Oh, you know, somebody calls me out when I have a fight lined up. And to be fair, I don't know that 100% um, on both sides. You know, I don't know for a fact. Uh, you know, it. it there was definitely rumors being in the summer or fall. That's for sure. And I'm talking about the plant Darrell. Um, but I don't think he's ducking him, to be fair, coming off a knockout. You know, Darrell's not some kind of pushover, easy tune-up. I mean, a lot of people live and die by the ring rankings. Go to the super middleweight division and see where Anthony Darrell's ranked. This is your Bible. Of boxing, okay. This is your ranking system that you like to talk about so much. Cool. Go go check it out. See where see where they got the Darrell. Unless they changed it recently, but he's ranked kind of high. So I don't agree with Benavidez there, but I totally understand his frustration. Plant for wanting to take a a, a good fight to get back on the good foot after getting knocked out. I just, so many fighters do that. Now, we can make examples of uh, that not happening. Cal uh, Brook comes to mind, right? Golovkin and, and, and Spence, or, you know, so that it happens. But more times than not, if you get knocked out, you, you, you know, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna build back a little bit. And, and if he fought, and this isn't building back. Like I said, this isn't a, a little nothing fight. Darrell's a real fighter. Now, he's not in his prime. But he's not some pushover. He's not just a complete tune-up. You know, it's not like that at all. So, it's a, I get what Benavidez is saying, and I and I and I realize he's super frustrated and mad at Canelo too. You know, I get it. I understand why he's mad at Canelo. I do think the excuses they're saying he needs to earn it with Rocky Fielding and, and Yildirim and Liam Smith. So Yildirim fighting okay against Anthony Durrell and then get knocked out by Eubank Jr., that was good enough to get a shot. You know what I mean? So I understand. I see where he's coming from. But like I said earlier, you got to remember, dude, you dropped the belt. Not Canelo, not Plant. You did it. You didn't make weight. And, you know, everybody at that time was in the bubble in COVID. Everyone had that little... This is a little bit different. It's harder to make weight. But everybody had to do it, including the fighter you fought. So that's on you for losing your belt ultimately. But I get it. I get why he wanted to fight him next. I, I totally get it, 100%. Um, and I think he means it, you know. I think he means it. Like to, to think – I mean, he had already signed for his side of the Canelo fight. So think about how close he thought he was. So I get what he's saying. Um, 
but we'll see. But this is from the BaltimoreBanner.com. The headline says, a judge rejects plea deal that would have spared boxer Gervonta uh, jail time. A judge rejected a plea offer extended by, by prosecutor Baltimore by prosecutors to Baltimore boxing champ da, 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 for a 2020 hit and run crash uh, downtown uh, Baltimore House. Um, it goes on to say Davis had accepted a deal that would call for a one-year suspended sentence with two months of home basically work release, home confinement work release for charges of leaving a, and we, we covered this last year. Uh, he, he left a scene where there was an accident involving an injury and property damage. And he was driving on a revoked license and he ran a red. Um, so they're saying that, um, let's see. So the plea offer was significantly lighter than what prosecutors had offered Davis previously. In March, he rejected a deal that called for one year with all but 120 days suspended and a sentence of four months. David is charged with all of the misdemeanors with the most serious charge would carry one year in jail. Uh, that's what he said. Uh, Assistant State Attorney Davis Owens revealed, or David Owens revealed the court that David's, Davis had reached a civil settlement with three victims uh, from the crash. Smith's attorney um, basically said Davis' team has ignored their attempts to reach a settlement. So there is a, where is it, a two, they said like a two-day trial or something like that. But the date, December 12th, and the working date would be December. December 17th for the fight. So um, I wonder, you know what I mean? I just wonder how exactly this is going to go because so it says Davis is now set for a two-day trial starting December 12th. So that would put it in fight week and that's why I'm bringing this up. You know, we knew he had to answer to someone. That would be Monday and Tuesday fight if in fact the working date obviously is 2000, uh, 2000 the working date we've heard anyway doesn't mean they could go you know on the 10th or the 3rd or whatever because it's 24th um, well they wouldn't go on 24th because that's Christmas Eve but the 17th so, so that's something to, you know you wonder how that's going to play out you wonder if uh, you just you just it's like a well, I don't know, you know. What I, mean? I really don't know how that will, what, what, what's going to happen there. It's kind of, uh, well, it's newsworthy. Okay. Um. Now there was so the IBF. This is Dan Raphael. IBS, IBF has lightweight uh, contender uh, Joshua Batiste uh, or Boatzi from title eliminator versus John Pascal for failing to return a signed agreement uh, for a deadline August 30th, for their August 30th person that happened. Contract was due September 14th. Um, now Pascal will be ordered to face the next ranked contender, Michael Efert, is what it says. Um, so there's been pushback. You know, uh, the management team, 258 management, wanted VADA testing for the fight. Um, Dan Raphael says he was already enrolled in Bada. 
this is uh, Rob from the UK after reports of it, Pascal Winona. I contacted the Watsi team who alleged that Pascal failure to commit VADA testing in writing led them to a, a different different route. Sounds like he's going to fight Callum Smith, too, by the way. But this is uh, Jean-Pascal asked VADA testing. They asked VADA testing. They have my form filled out since last week. Eddie Hearn needs to not smear my name and accept the fact that they were scared. And uh, Eddie Hearn says, then why did your team refuse to put VADA testing in the contract? Uh, Luda, he says, the question for you, Lou, da-da-da-da-da. Hold on. Uh, because we already in writing committed in writing to VADA testing, Pascal had submitted his uh, VADA forms, and no request was received at all from Matchroom or Boatze until after the IBF's deadline for receipt of the bout agreement. This is a shameful shifting of blame, and the IBF's standard form bout agreement doesn't require VADA. We addressed the VADA request because we felt that it was fair given Pascal's history. We copied the IBF on their wait, we copied the IBF on their submittable Juvada testing despite it having nothing to do with them or the bout agreement. So they're basically saying, dude, we, we already did enroll in it. Um let's see, some other fight news out here um oh some bad news oscar valdez is actually uh injured his uh he's going to postpone his return he was supposed to be back uh november 12th but it sounds like uh you know he got pushed back to january now so he's not going to be able to prevented him from training recently uh that injury is forced to postpone come back in january yeah, they, he was supposed to headline a November 12th date. It was supposed to be in a venue. It's going to be on ESPN Plus, and it's going to be on in Vegas. Um, there was an announcement for Wembley Arena. Katie Taylor will def- defend her undisputed lightweight, lightweight world title against Karen Elizabeth Carbaha, October 29th. Joshua Warrington versus Luis Alberto Lopez is reportedly now agreed for December 10th in Leeds, uh, his mandatory defense for his featherweight uh, title that he has, world title, Chava, ESPN is, is reporting that. And then, like I mentioned, too, at the O2 Arena, it is 100% official now, Shields Marshal, uh, Mayor Baumgartner. So that's good that the, the you know they're going to be able to get going on that. Here's some sad news. Thoughts go out to the family, Detroit boxer Isaiah Jones was uh, shot and killed during a dispute with the family member. So rest in peace to him. Um, Miranda, was it Miranda? Brian Miranda. That was a nasty knockout, by the way, of uh, of Frank Arnold. I did see that. That was that was pretty crazy. So we're gonna go out to Portland, five oh three, and see. What's going on with him? Talk about this Canelo fight. Portland 503, man. What is going on?
Hey, yo, yo, what up, what up, Chris? Hey, yo, I'm doing good. I'm doing good here. Hell yeah, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm uh, doing good here in uh, beautiful Oregon. Uh, beautiful weather today. Can't complain. Everything good on my side. You know, the, over the weekend, we got good results. This time, Canelo ends up with a win, so uh, everything good on my side. But how you doing, Chris? How's everything, brother? I'm doing good, man. Yesterday, it hit like 89 degrees, and right <laughs> now, as we speak, it's 57 degrees. So it took oh, a major damn. drop overnight and today. Yeah, it was at like two in the morning. It was like still in the seventies, and it never even hit yeah. high. I think it was like sixty-seven today. So it's pretty crazy. Damn, Speaking bro. of, so you remember that national anthem, uh, the the first one in that fight? That dude, I forgot to mention this. That dude was lip syncing the national anthem for the. <laughs> that was crazy. Oh, wait. I've never seen. Oh, is it? A national anthem. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, the first guy. Clearly, you know, the first guy. He's got this like yeah, yeah. lower baritone voice, you know, voice of it, and he's you can't yeah. even hear him breathing or anything. He's like, nah, dude, you're 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 lip syncing this. I just had to say that. Yeah, yeah, but for sure. Yeah, I noticed that too. Though. Yeah, yeah, I know. I noticed that too, bro. That that, that was pretty funny uh, for the. Um, uh, Kazakhstan, right, for the National Anthem of Kazakhstan. And, uh, uh, yeah, that was pretty crazy. Yeah. But, uh, you know, but uh, shout out to the uh, – fuck, man, I forgot his name, but uh, he did the National Anthem. The National Anthem was uh, sung beautifully. Uh, everything was done uh, beautifully. The the Mexican uh, – the Mexican cultures, bro, the Mexicans were out that weekend, bro. Uh, I watched the, um, the oh, weigh-ins yeah. uh, before, um, you know, the weigh-ins <clears throat> was, yeah, uh, was lit. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that one a lot, man. And man, I like uh, Canelo's uh, style, bro. Like how he goes in there with pajamas, like you know, with pajamas, stuck pajamas, you know, showing. But he's still hungry, man. He fights like he's hungry. So, um, but yeah, man, let's get into it. Uh, let's get into this fight. Uh, uh, but shout out to uh, what's his name? Fuck, I already forgot. Uh, man, you gotta forgive me, Chris. I, I got on a um, the the Green Monster earlier, so uh, I'm trying to remember things. Sam Rodriguez. Uh, um, but. Yeah, uh, Bam Rodriguez, thank you. Yeah, shout out to the kid. Uh, he did his thing. Um, you know, shout out to him. I, I watched the fight. I can't, you know, I, I don't remember too much of it, but I remember seeing it. Um, but also, uh, but let's get into the Canelo Triple G fight. I, you know, that show is sick. Uh, you know, to me, to me, I, I know a lot of people didn't like it, but I, I liked it just because I wanted to see where, where they were at. Uh, to me, it, it was a sparring fight. Um, to me, like, but, man, if I, if I could say something about this fight for uh, for Canelo, like showing this performance, I feel like he um, he definitely deserves some time off after this one, man. Like, uh, um, yeah, you know, I, agree. I would advise him to, in in my opinion, I would advise him to take one of these Floyd Mayweather or or um, Andre Ward retirements real <laughs> quick, man. Like one of those, yeah. you know, two year, three year retirement. Shut I would, you know, this is what I would tell him. Yeah, man, because his body has, uh, for some reason, I'm seeing his body, and um, he started off, like, you know, seeing his other fights, you know, he looked good, but, like, this one, man, he, um, uh, credit, but, I mean, you got to give credit to Triple G, I mean, he was hard to hit, but uh, he, his body was showing a lot of fatigue, and, man, his his calendar, his, you know, his last fights were, I mean, all, uh, you know, big, uh, big opponents, big name opponents, and, uh, I just think he deserves some some time off, and I would tell him, in all honesty, I would tell him to vacate all them belts and and let these motherfuckers all fight amongst each other, man. Let them all fight amongst each other, trying to get these belts. Um, that's what I would do, man, and 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 create some sort of tournament. 
uh, the, the, for you know yeah, for this because I mean cool. obviously because um, I, I, I remember um, that's a good idea. Uh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Release some of those belts. We know you're the lineal. We know you got it. Let, if you want them to fight for belts, then let them and then let the belts go. And man, that's a great idea. Yeah, man, that's what I would do, bro. That's, I mean, that's what I would advise Canelo if I was in his team or his like family or whatever. Like, cause man, that's a grueling schedule, man. I mean, I, I mean, any opponent. I mean, look at, I mean, look. I hate to talk shit, but like the PVC fighters. I mean, Charlo, Charlo was, Charlo was supposed to fight the what Selecki and and whatever happened there. Uh, you know, obviously nothing even came about it. Like now it's gonna be. I don't even know if the last time he fought. Um, and and Benavides, Benavides wants to fight. You know, but he would he he just had Dave, uh, David Lemieux. Uh, as a, you know, it seems like in the PBC round they got it. They really have to fight each other, man. Like somehow, and this is the only way I see them actually having to uh, force the fight. And and let's face it, even though he, I, I feel like even though Canelo, uh, I don't know if we uh, we all I think we all heard it right when Canelo said that he he's not going to fight any more Mexicans. But man, like if you have all them belts and you look good and you've earned it, he he's going to fight you. And plus, in all in all honesty, too, man, I think if if you challenge his, you know, Mexican, like the, his Mexican blood in him, you know, right, like, if you right, challenge right, him, like, right. if, if yeah. Ramirez, if, if Ramirez, Ramirez is like, yeah, it's like you know what I mean, yeah, bro, like you know, saying like I'm the real Mexican, you know, I think you'll get him out, like for real, man, like you'll you will you'll like I think like like Laura, like what Laura did, I think he, you know, he got himself a yeah. fight for you know standing up. And you know, kind of you know, standing up for himself and wanting a fight, like you know, he talked right in front example. of me and told him he wanted. That's a really good example. Yeah. Yeah. He said it right to yeah, his I mean, face. Like, yeah, I mean, like that's my opinion. No good. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, you're right. He will. I think he's just. Uh, I think he's just uh, tired right now. You know, he just needs a rest. Yeah, bro, he does. Now, I don't know if you got. Did you get to see the post-fight interview? Uh, right at like after, not not in the ring interview after the fight, but like the you know the uh, media, the little media scrum. Like he he told the yeah. reporter at the end, like I, I, like I'm done, I'm done. You know, no more questions. You know, like he was just tired. Like they kept asking him the the Mexican, oh, he's this heritage, or you know, like it's so, I don't know. Yeah. But uh, he, he does seem tired, in my opinion. Like, uh, but I, that's what I would he advise him to, to vacate the belt. Take a a year, two years off. You know what I mean. Let the best, let the belts get scrambled amongst all these motherfuckers. You know, and and finally, yeah. bro, let's get these fucking fights made. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like let's, you know. Yeah, I like, don't want even, a repeat of the middleweight division. I don't want a repeat yeah, of the man. middleweight division. You know what I mean? I, I, yeah, that's a yeah. good idea. Even if it's like yeah. he releases two belts, that would be good enough. You know? Okay, cool. Yeah. No problem. You know, like. Or a belt, whatever, you know, because they are going to call it at some point for him. So, yeah, let him yeah. shut down, take a year off, you know, and, and then a lot of people anticipate, you know, his comeback. And then, like you said, mm-hmm. they'll have time to fight, too, because Plant's fighting in less, like, three weeks. Uh, and Plant has said, that's the fight I want next. So, you t- you know, have be- I'm sure Benavides wants to get one more fight in this year just because why not? Yeah. But fight them, you know, in, in sometime early, whatever March or whatever, uh, next year, and then and then it can be lined up. Yeah, that'd be a great idea, man. David Morrell too. He's right. gonna, you know, he's got a Mando coming up November fifth. Then he's gonna be, you know, climbing up there too. So yeah, that that'd be a good idea. That's probably probably what's gonna end up happening anyway, because you know they are gonna have they are gonna have to call mandatories for him at some point, you know. Yeah, definitely, man. 
And, uh, you know, because uh, what's his name? Benavides is kind of trying to pull his mandatory because he, he's uh, not even yeah. – I even forgot about this, but he has, like, some interim belts. So, you know, uh, yep. you know, but uh, I, I don't know. It seems like, to, to me, in all, in all honesty, Benavides seems uh, the most furthest away from um, the title shot. Just like seeing uh, yeah. uh, what's sure. his name, uh, Canelo's uh, reaction to when he's talking about Benavides, like he's like, oh, his dad's talking shit, and this guy's only fought one champion, Darrell, you know, and that's it. And so I don't know. Uh, I could I, for some reason I see Benavides the furthest out of all of them, but I do see him see Charlo. I see Charlo before Benavides, if that makes sense, um, in yeah, my opinion. But yeah, that was, the, yeah, deal. Man, that was but, the deal for this year: May Charlo and in, in September Benavides. I agree with you. And I get, I get yeah, why yeah. Benavides is frustrated. I totally get it. Because, you know, he hasn't gotten it. But in the same breath, he did fuck up his belt. You know what I mean? So yeah. it is his fault that way. Hey, by the way, yeah. we got like a minute left, maybe 30 seconds left. So oh. keep talking. If it drops, you'll oh. know why. Uh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, man, these are, these, you know, with, yeah, like Benavides, has had, you know, he only has himself to blame. You know, he lost that belt twice, you know, on the scales. And then what was it that uh, he liked partying? So uh, that's on yeah. him, you know what I mean? And uh, uh, But also, uh, but let me say, tough. Triple G, you know, honestly, and Triple G looked good. He didn't look too bad. I think he's still a problem amongst these, uh, all these, all these uh, fighters, amongst everybody. He's still, I mean, he was hard. He looked like he was hard to hit. He was just moving, you know. I, I felt like he was in there for a payday. So, uh, but he still looked good in my opinion. He, I mean, he didn't get uh, he didn't get his ass whooped. You know what I mean? So I think he's he's still good to go. I think. And uh, uh, Shakur Stevenson fights this weekend, bro. Uh, hopefully, it's, uh, Robinson uh, Robinson Concio. I'm going for him for because you know what he did to uh, my my boy uh, Valdez. Uh, so you yeah. know Brazil waving the Brazil flag this weekend. Uh, and also, let's see what uh, Keyshawn Davis has. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, they, I've been hearing a lot about this kid, so uh, let, let, you know. Um, let's see, let's see what it's about. But also, before I get out of here, man, Canelo, Canelo did his thing for Mexico. You know what it is, El, El Mexico Argullo all day. You know what I mean? Mexico's up. All you know, we're going, we're going out. To, we're going out this year with a win. You already know. Shout out to Chris, Christopher Carlson. Shout out to the Rope Dog Radio and Viva Mexico, cabrones. Yes, sir. All right. That about does it. We'll see you next week. Enjoy the fight. Peace.